Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Titus chapter 2. The book of Titus chapter 2. We continue our study through the New Testament and understand we are in the pastoral epistles. These are letters that Paul has written to pastors. We just wrapped up our study in the Timothys, first and second Timothy, and now we're in the book of Titus, the book of Titus chapter 2. We start here in verse 1, but as for you, but as for you. Now, remember, this is Paul to Titus, Paul to Titus, one-on-one. Now, Understand, you know, in chapter one, and not just in chapter one, we've, you know, we've been through the epistles, we've been through the letters to the churches, and we see what heavy, heavy, heavy cost it is when the pastor is disqualified, when the pastor is not the full package deal, when the pastor is defunct, when the elders are defunct, when those who are called to be overseers, when they're defunct. And understand, remember that shepherds can become wolves and they disqualify themselves. And then we see here in verse one, but as for you, I love that. You know why? Because Titus has made his choice. You see, Titus is hardcore. And it's so beautiful because if you remember our study in the book of Acts, how many times till we were blue in the face did you hear us say, Paul is not like the average bear. He is not like the average bear. He is not like the average bear. Because we need to understand he is not like the average bear. And those who he teaches, those who he trains, those who he equips are not like the average cubs. And then they grow up and they themselves are not like the average bear. Just like we see in Timothy. Just as we see in Titus. Just as we see in Chloe, in Lydia. Now, when I mention the females, understand Coverings, always male. These spiritual coverings in in terms of overseer, always, always, always male. Female pastors, no. A woman cannot have authority over a man. You see, that's what the Bible teaches. Remember our study in, in, in the Timothys? Cannot have authority over a man. But understand, there is still an authority role in terms of, you know, where you see coverings, female coverings, the the covering of the womb unto children, parental coverings unto children, and then training the next generation of righteousness and quite possibly pastoral leadership, just as we see with Eunice and Lois. And so we see here, but as for you in verse one, it's... I can't tell you how much I love that. I mean, because look at today. Look at today. Look at the state of the church today. Understand, you know, in the state of the church, understand that judgment comes first to the church. And yes, there's a lot of messed up fellowships that aren't following the formula. You see? And it's a result of false doctrine because, you know, false doctrine begets you know, the, the false, uh, 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 bad fruit, bad fruit begets, you know, rotten fruit. And it, it's like a trickle down effect. But instead of the trickle down, go up, you know, dead fish go with the flow. Go upstream to sound doctrine, the source. And when we have that, a very specific formula, very, spe- because, you know, heeding Titus, heeding Timothy, heeding Paul, beautiful. Remember what Paul says to Timothy? Because when you have sound doctrine and teach sound doctrine, you save yourself and those who hear you. Sound doctrine. But as for you, he says, because in this 
when prophetically speaking, when the wheat and tares grow together, grow together. Remember the parable when Jesus was giving the, ter- the, the, the parable and he says, you know, the servants, you know, master, do, do you want us to take out the weeds? Do you want us to take out the tares? Should we, should we take them out? And Jesus says, no. In the parable, he says, you know, the master says no, because the wheat and the tares must grow together until the harvest. You see, and when we understand that framework of, you know, you know, back in the day, 2000 years ago, give or take a couple, give or take a couple years, little tiny weeds. But have you ever seen weeds when, you know, they're not taken care of and they're, they're not, you know, uh, uh, uprooted in, you know, a month when they're not uprooted in two months, five months, 10 months? Two years, 30 years, 100 years. What about 2,000 years? These weeds aren't like little, little tiny weeds. They're big weeds. And so when we see that the wheat and the tares grow together 2,000 years ago, little tiny weeds. But 2,000 years later, fast forward into the future. And what do we see? It's, you know, that uprooting, which will happen. It happens at the harvest and in that, in this framework of, I hate to put it like this, but in this framework of a, a pretty bad field, it must happen this way. And so Paul says, but as for you, you know, the people make their choice. Just as you hear us say from time to time, balls in your court, balls in their court. Ball was in Moses' court, ball was in Joshua's court. You see, ball was in Phineas's court. Ball was in Eli's court. Ball was in Hannah's court. Ball was in Samuel's court. Everybody made their choice. Am I going to honor the Lord or am I not going to honor the Lord? Am I going to be a vessel of honor or am I going to be a vessel of dishonor? But as for you, he says, don't be silent, he says in verse 1. But as for you, speak. Speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine or suitable and becoming for sound doctrine. I love that becoming. You know why? Because, you know, sometimes when, when you're like, uh, uh, in, when you're in an environment of like, uh, uh, say active duty min- military, for example, and you see somebody get discharged or, you know, not discharged, well, they're discharged, but like kicked out. What, what happened? What did he do? What did she do? It's, you know, for conduct unbecoming, you see? Because there's a standard of conduct. And just as we see in those environments, I mean, there's a, you know, a conduct for, you know, certain, uh, uh, you know, a- a- academia, you know, not, not, not advocating higher academia, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes, you know, you go to the dean's office, they say, okay, you know, you had your chance, sorry, because of your choices, boom, you're out. Because of conduct unbecoming, boom, you're out. Just... As we see in the word of God, conduct becoming, conduct unbecoming, balls in your court. You see, the the defunct shepherds of Corinth, balls in their court. They didn't have to be defunct. You see, they didn't have, you know, Alexander, who, you know, when, when Paul warns uh, uh, Timothy about Alexander, ball was in his court. He made his choice. You see, Timothy made his choice. Titus makes his choice. But as for you, he says here in verse 1, speak the things which are proper, pro, 
proper, which is suitable or becoming for sound doctrine. This sound doctrine is instruction and teaching that is true, safe, and uncorrupted. You see, remember in our study in the Timothys, how just exactly the same way Timothy is going to encounter all kinds of situations, all kinds of situations. Remember, you know, various scenarios when Paul is exhorting Timothy and, you know, for, for, for you who are, uh, bond servants, you know, when you have, uh, believers who are bond servants, when you have believers who are, uh, uh, the masters, you know, you have the poor, you have the rich, you have widows. And those who are really widows, you remember? Because Paul, in this exhortation unto Timothy, you know, Timothy, you're going to come across all kinds of scenarios in the church. And he's doing the exact same. Paul is saying the exact same thing to to Titus. Titus, you're going to encounter all kinds of situations inside the church. Scenarios, situations. There is a framework for situations and scenarios, which absolutely will, will vary. But how... To deal with these situations and scenarios, it's in a it's in the proper care and formula for the flock of God that is found in the Word of God. You see, and Paul is saying, Titus, don't be quiet. Speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older man in verse two. Now this is an elders. This is. Old guys, old people, old men, that the elders, these are the old guys, that the older men, so, so like, you know, not like the elders, like somebody who's, who's called to be an overseer. These are the old guys, you know, the gray-haired guys, sometimes the white-haired guys, that the older men be sober, which translates as on watch, without being given to wine. That's how sobriety translates. Do you see commonality with these pastoral epistles about sobriety not given to wine very important for us to understand that the older men be sober reverent which translates as virtuous and honorable temperate which translates as self-control sound in faith which translates as true and uncorrupt in faith, in love, in patience, which is, patience is the cheerful endurance and waiting. You see, pastors, pastors, we're talking full package pastors, like, you know, Timothy and Titus and, you know, Paul and, 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 and Peter and, and John. When you see these full package pastors, they are models for emulation. Yes, absolutely. That's what the Bible teaches. That the Lord has these people as, the Lord has these men as examples, as patterns. Now, understand, these are qualified, biblical qualifications. But there's more. There's more. In the body, now that's pew, you know, the full package pastors, elders, overseers, those who are called their patterns. But there's more. Because when you look at the pews and look at the saints and look at the field and look at the building. Remember, we make the distinction between field and worker, building and worker from our study in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. We make that distinction. 
When Paul says, you are the field, you are the building, we are the workers, we make these distinctions. Very important. If you're listening for the first time, welcome, but make sure you listen to those prior studies because it will help you grow and mature in Christ. Inside the body, the fellowship, among the saints, the pews, the field, the building, Look for men such as this, older men. This is why God's house must be kept clean. Remember, only the clean can clean. Bearing burdens, yes, saints bearing burdens, absolutely. But the young boys and young men can see godliness in the old men. The old men as examples in holiness. But there's a problem. I mean, that's the formula and the framework for sanctuary in the body of Christ. That the old men can be examples for the young men and the the boys. And so they can see, wow, you know, there's the pastor as an example. The elders as an example. The overseers as examples. But... What about the old guys in the fellowship? They're to be examples too. But the problem happens when leaven occurs. And understand that leaven, it blurs these lines. It blurs these lines. Leaven, the old, you know, the old men who are leaven, they cannot be examples. They cannot be examples. Why? Because the old men, well, they're either leaven or they're straight up babies. Leaven or baby, both are without understanding. These old men in that scenario cannot be examples and must not be examples. I mean, you take verse 2 that The older men, let's read verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Now, you look at verse 2. It doesn't fit Corinth. I mean, 2 Corinthians, perhaps. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, it doesn't fit. I mean, if you and me were new to court, you and me, we get in our time machine, we go back in, ta- back in time, and we're brand new to the city of Corinth. Where do we go to church? Where do we go to church? And we see, okay, this is a mega church in, in, in Corinth. And we go to the mega church in Corinth. And we walk in, we sit in the pews, you know, hey, how you doing? God bless you, you know, you're where they, you know, they, you know, and, and the flyers, the pamphlets, you know, that we get inundated with all this stuff, you know, okay, you know, we, we want to hear the sermon and, you know, God bless you, you know, and all these things. But unbeknownst to us, unbeknownst to us, inside the mega church of Corinth, you see the drunkards, the sexually immoral, a guy's having sex with his dad's wife. You see uh, uh, the extortion. You see the revilers. Well, it's unbeknownst to us, but they're there. It's unbeknownst to us because it's, it's our first day. You know, we're, we're just brand new in the, in, in the fellowship. It's day one. We haven't even been there five minutes, and but it's there. We just don't see it yet. Now, 
We could look at it now. Say, for example, you have a son, you have a daughter, and you know that you know that we, we, we. Paul told us. Paul says that the old guys are examples. That the that that, that the old men, you know, that they can be the examples for the for you know the boys and the you know the girl you know the women for the girls and the and the, the men for the for the boys that they could be examples. Now, we're in Corinth. Do you think that the church in that state, where's there, where there's the sexually active, the uh, uh, sexually immoral, there's the uh, uh, revilers, the extortion, the drunkards, in that state of carnality, the old men in that fellowship cannot and must not be examples for the younger generation. Cannot and must not be examples. You see? But fast forward into, you know, 2 Corinthians, when the leaven is gone and correction happens. Now verse 2 fits. Now the old guys can be examples. You see? That the old guys can. Now you can have a young son, you know, and say, hey, son, you know, like, look, this guy is an example. Yes, the, the pastor is an example. The elder is an example as qualified overseers. Now, when I say qualified, we're talking full package. But also the old guys in the pews, they're also examples. Once the leaven has been dealt with. You see, because... When this formula and framework of sound doctrine, when it's taught wrongly, you could look at verse two. I mean, picture a defunct pastor. We're still in our time machine. Well, we're out of the time machine, but we went back in time. And we're in the pews of Corinth, pre chapter five, first Corinthians chapter five, pre uh, 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 the separation, pre-division from uh, 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 the, 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 the leaven from the remnant or the remnant from the leaven before that. And we're in the pews. And then the pastor, unbeknownst to us, the pastor starts to teach. Unbeknownst to us, he's defunct. Unbeknownst to us, he's disqualified. Unbeknownst to us, babies stay babies under his leadership. We don't know it yet. We're just, you know, it's, we're just there like eight minutes now. And say the pastor is at the, at the pulpit. And he starts to say, hey, you know, the, the, Paul says that the old men are examples. Paul says that the old men are examples for the younger men. And then, you know, the, the elders, they start to promote that. They start to say, okay, the old guy's an example, you know, so you young boys hang out with these guys over here because the old, you know, Paul says the old guys are examples. Do you know how dangerous that is? Outside of the framework of what the word of God teaches? Because yes, the Bible says the old guys are examples. But within the framework of sound doctrine, the old guys who are examples are not leaven. They're part of the remnant. Those are the old guys who can be examples. You see? Once the leaven is gone and has been addressed, been corrected. And sometimes the leaven has to go away. Like, you know, they, you know, sorry, you know, you, you can't fellowship. 
you can't fellowship here anymore. Which isn't like, you know, hey, you know, you, you, I saw you smoke a cigarette, so boom, you're out of here. No, there, there is a process for correction. But you can't throw a person through the door, which is Jesus Christ. You can't throw a person through the door, capital D, or the gate, capital G. You cannot. A person has to do that for themselves and enter. And once they enter, you know, there's a specific framework for abiding in Christ. Very specific framework, which, as Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's very simple, but it's very specific. Very, very, very specific. Because you take a guy who's having sex with his dad's wife, and then you take a 15-year-old boy, say you take a 10-year-old boy, and you put them two together, very dangerous, highly dangerous. You take an adult male who extorts his employer, you know, strong arms the employer. Hey, employer, you know, uh, 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 you know, give me more money. I want more money. Extortion. You take a, an adult male like that and put him together with a 10 year old boy. Very dangerous. You take a guy who's alcoholic, you know, they take the edge off every night, drink a bottle of whiskey every night, and you put him together with a 10-year-old boy, very dangerous. That cannot be done. That must not be done. That's how leaven spreads in the body of Christ. You see? But you take the guy who's the extortioner, sexually immoral, the drunkard, and he repents and, you know, abides in Christ and, you know, learns from the error of his ways. And in the course of time, he can be an example. That's the good way. That's the best way. But if he refuses to do that, you can't take the guy and, you know, force him to abide in Christ. He has to choose from him for himself. And so if a guy refuses to do that now it's the overseer's responsibility to say okay sorry you know you've had your chance i love you i'm not calling you a non-believer you have qualities that look like it but i can say you're a non-believer but you're exemplifying qualities that look like a non-believer i'm just saying I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm not saying you're condemned to hell. I'm not saying you're going to burn in hell. I'm not saying, you know, you know, that's it. You're done. You know, you're predestined to hell, which is Calvinism, which is Calvinism. It's, 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 it's unbiblical. But a pastor, an overseer, the full package must tell the guy who refuses to repent and abide in Christ. Hey, sorry. You've made your choice, rejecting obedience unto Christ. Now I'm making my choice. I am responding. I am reacting to your disobedience. And you know, the first time it was, you need to repent. The second time it was, you need to repent. The third time it was, you need to repent. The fourth, fifth, you need to repent. But now, because you made your choice, now you're forcing my hand as an overseer called of the Lord. Now you're forcing my hand. Okay, I'm not calling you an unbeliever. I'm not calling you that you're going to burn in hell. I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
I mean, there will be to the disobedient, but, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But you're a danger in the fellowship. You see? That's what full package pastors do. Full package. The defunct don't do that. Why? They're man pleasers. And don't forget, leaven, they have mouths. Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. Paul, he's so mean. He's so mean. Remember the saints in Asia? They left Paul. They left Paul. No more. You know, Paul, you know, that's nice. You know, you're so mean-spirited. We're, we're done with you, Paul. Pastors were leaving Paul. Demas left Paul. Bright lights, big city. The closer Paul was getting to death, physical death, he was, all, you know, spiritually, I mean, he was, you know, he said of himself, it is, no, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. Those are his words. But the closer Paul got to physical death, the more solitude there was. The more solitude there was. Does that sound familiar? Look at our Lord. And that's what's so powerful for you and me to understand. You walk with Christ. And I'm talking like hardcore, like, you know, you abide in him. Don't forget, it's like, you know, abide in me, no period. He says, abide in me and I in you. And you have that intimacy with the Lord. Don't expect to be Mr. Popular. Don't expect to be Miss Popular. Because you won't be. The world will hate you. Absolutely. But also Christians will hate you. The saints in Asia left Paul. You see? All of them. They left Paul. We're done with you, Paul. Demas left Paul. Sheep and shepherds were leaving Paul in droves. Remember what he says to the Galatian saints? Have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. And just as Paul is speaking to Titus, just, just as he spoke to Timothy, Timothy's going to experience these things. Titus is going to experience these things. Timothy and Titus, they're going to experience this solitude. Because godliness is at enmity with the things of the world. But nevertheless, truth must go forth. The old men we see here in verse 2. The old guys, not elders, the old men. Be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in the faith, in love, in patience. And now we see the exact same thing with Women, the older women in verse 3. It's not women as elders, it's old women. So now you see old men and old women in the body of Christ. Beautiful, beautiful, wrinkly, old, gray hair, white hair. It's so beautiful. And we're talking remnant. We're not talking like a, 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 the, the broad church. We're not talking Laodicea. We're talking remnant. 
because the old guys of Corinth and like First Corinthians 3 when they're babies, just like the example, you know, you have a guy who's the extortioner, the sexually immoral, the drunkard. You can't have that guy as an example for the young men and the boys. But then the same with the females. You take a female who's sexually immoral, extortion, drunkard, the reviler. She cannot be an example to the young younger women or the girls. That type of old man, that type of old woman cannot be the example. But when the leaven's been taken care of, and we're talking remnant territory, now... It opens up these beautiful, beautiful passages even more, even deeper, because we understand, wow, among the remnant, this old guy, not pastor, not elder, this old guy can be an example. This old lady, not pastor, not elder, can be an example for the young women and the girls. You see? And we see here in verse 3 that the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior. This is reverent, holy, sacred in behavior, demeanor, and it's so beautiful. But you look at the church today. You look at the church today. What happened? What in the world happened? It's the same with Crete. I mean, you walk into church today, sometimes, you know, in some fellowships, you walk into a church, you feel like you're in a nightclub. It's like, what in the world? You know, the ladies dress a certain way. The men behave a certain way. You feel like you're in a nightclub. But it's the same with Crete. And Titus is, he's full package. And he's going to restore order. You see? He's going to restore order. Remember our study in, in chapter 1? To set the things in order? Now, how is that done? How is Titus going to establish order? It's not carnally. It's not carnally. He's not going to go in and say, you know, put a gun to people's head. Hey, you will obey Christ. You will do this. You will not do this. You will not do this. You will do this or else. No, it's not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What does verse 1 say? Speak. But as for you, speak. Don't be silent. Speak. And once holiness is spoken, understand, remember Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Once truth is spoken, men and women have a choice to make. Men, women, boys, girls, young, old. Once the word goes forth, people will choose. Now, people will choose that, you know, okay, I'm with Titus. Or I'm with Alexander. Or I'm with Hymenaeus. Or, you know, I'm with Timothy. People will choose. But whether or not a person aligns themselves to Titus, there's their own formula. And you see, Titus is the full package. The formula is right in him. And he's not going to go and say, you know, put a gun to somebody's head and say, hey, you will not have sex with this lady. Hey, you will not have sex with this guy. No. But he will speak. In some cases, you know, point blank. Speaking. 
And once he speaks, people have a choice to make. People need to respond. Oh, Titus, you're so mean. God is love, so I'm going to have sex with this guy. Oh, Paul or Titus, you're so mean. You know, you're so mean. God is love, so I'm going to have sex with this lady. Oh, Titus, you're so mean. You're such a legalist. So what if I get drunk at dinner? You know, I have a little Chablis with my meal, and then, you know, it, it turns into whiskey, and I get a little drunk. Paul says, you know, drink a little, you know, drink a little for your stomach. And so here I am drinking a little. Don't mind the, the, the fact that my face is in the toilet. You see, that's the behavior of leaven. That's the behavior of leaven when they make their choice. But the remnant, they will hear Titus speak and realize, you know what? Titus is right. Titus may speak and say, hey, listen, the extortion, the revilers, the drunkards, that's not good. And then the Berean will listen to Titus and the Berean with the noble heart will be like, okay, Titus said this, so let's verify that. And then they go home, you know, open up their scrolls, open up their Bible, open up the text, start to read it. Okay, Titus said this, boom, he's right. Titus said that, boom, he's right. You know, turn the page, look over here. Titus said this, boom, he's right. Okay, turn the page, check it out, be a Berean, search the scriptures with a noble heart. Don't forget, a noble heart. Because remember, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because for in them you think there is an eternal life. You think there is an eternal life. That's what he says to the Pharisees. But to the Bereans, they also search the scriptures. You see, the Bereans search the scriptures, the Pharisees search the, search the scriptures. Yet for the Pharisees, searching the scriptures was not a good thing. Why? Because they twisted the scriptures. The Bereans also search the scriptures, but they don't do so to twist the scriptures. Bereans do so to understand the scriptures so that Bereans can yield to the scriptures. You see, that's a noble heart. And so Titus says his deal, you know, speaking truth in love. Go home at night. Okay, let's check this out. Now, say there's that example where you and me, we get in the time machine. We go to the church in Corinth. Now it's day one in the church. We're eight minutes in the church and we don't realize that there's leaven in the camp. We don't realize that the pastor is defunct. We don't realize that the pastor is disqualified. And there's the sex, the drugs, all the whole nine yards, the extortion, all kinds of different things. Carnality. You see? And so, you know, Paul says, you know, we got a letter from Paul. Paul reads, you know, Paul, somebody reads the letter that, that, that Paul wrote. Or, you know, Titus comes to town. Say we're in Crete. You know, that was the Corinth example, but say we're in Crete. And Titus comes to town and says what he says. Now, the leaven responds, oh, Titus, you're so mean, you're so mean. Hey, guys, don't listen to Titus. He's mean. He's mean-spirited. But then you and I, we go home. We check things out. We're, we're, at, we're at the table. We're sitting at a table. We open the scrolls. You open the scrolls. I open my scrolls. And, you know, you say, okay, I, I'm going to check out the New Testament. And I say, okay, I'm going to check out the Old Testament. And Titus said this. Boom, what do you got? Okay, this he's right. And then, you know, okay. And then I say, you know what? Titus said this. And Look, boom, he's right. And then you say, oh, Titus also said this. And you know, with your finger, you're reading. Okay, boom, he's right. And then I say, okay, we're reading here. You know what? He's right. But the other guy, he said Titus was mean. 
The ladies, they said Titus was mean. The guys, they said Titus was mean. He was crazy. And then we kind of talk it over. And it's like, you know what? That guy who said Titus was mean, you know what? He was having sex with those ladies. You know, those ladies that were saying Titus was mean, you know what? They were getting drunk the other day. You see? And it's like, you know, that's what Titus was talking about. He was addressing the leaven. And now we make our choice. You know what? I'm with Titus. I'm not going to be with the defunct pastors in Crete. I'm not going to be with the defunct overseers in Crete. I'm with Titus because we check the scriptures and everything aligns to the truth of God's holy word. Now, you might say, but that's division. That's division. Listen, when the remnant separates from leaven, what is it called? Division. When the remnant separates from leaven, it is called division. That's why Jesus says, I came to divide. Remember, he's the one who says, do not think that I came to bring peace. I came to divide. That's what he says. But you say, wait a second. Why do you say I'm with Titus? When that's exactly what the Corinthians were doing. Remember when Paul was saying, you know, you, you know, you, you, you Corinthians, you know, you, your babies and you say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm an, of Apollos and your babies, because is that not carnal? When you behave like that, is that carnal? Now that is true. But notice Paul, Cephas, Apollos, they're biblically qualified. They're qualified. You see, Paul says to the Corinthians, you know, oh, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos. And yes, that is division, which, you know, that's not good. And the reason why it's not good is because, is it because it's division? No. The reason why is because Paul, Cephas, and Apollos, they're qualified. They're qualified. But if you look at like, Alexander and Hymenaeus. Oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. No, no, I'm of Alexander and Hymenaeus. Now, does the same thing apply? No. Now there's deeper specificity. Why? Because Alexander and Hymenaeus, they are biblically disqualified. I mean, if a hundred churches each, a hundred churches each had qualified shepherds, you could fellowship anywhere. I mean, if we were new in town, we're new in town and there's a hundred churches and a hundred churches had biblically qualified pastors, full package. We could go anywhere. We could fellowship anywhere. There would be no division. But we're new in town and if there were still a hundred churches, but 90 90 had disqualified shepherds and defunct and only 10 were qualified biblically biblically qualified full package then two things must happen inside of you and me both discernment 
and division. You see, very specific formula. It's very important. And Titus, as an overseer, he's going to restore order. You see, that's what his charge is, to restore order. Now, in fulfilling this charge of restoring order, there's a very specific formula for him to be qualified to do that. Remember, he was in a tiny bubble of Paul, taught very well. He had a good teacher, a faithful teacher who poured into him. Titus is qualified. He meets the qualifications to serve the Lord in that capacity. You see, we have to understand this. But for him to to establish order, that means that things were in disorder. You see, that means that things were in disorder. And we have to understand this. Of the older men, there are, you know, the older men in the fellowship in verse 3, the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not false accusers is how it translates, not given to much wine. Now, I have something to say to my sisters in Christ, whom I love. Yes, it says that the older women, you know, not given to much wine. Yes. Do not. And I love you. Don't use this verse as a loophole to drink. Because you're an example. I mean, provided you're of the remnant and I teach the remnant. I'm called to teach the living. If you're married, help your husband be sober. You know, like we see in verse 2, that the older men be sober. If you're married, help your husband to that end. Be a helper unto your husband. You see? If you have sons and daughters, be an example to them. If you have sons, help them be sober too. Because of the sons, biblically speaking, you as female, my beautiful sister in Christ, you cannot be a pastor. You cannot be an elder. Covering those, those type of coverings are always male. But of your sons, they may be among a generation of pastors. And you can be like Eunice, pouring into her son Timothy, the next generation, not just of righteousness, the next generation of leadership. And that type of leader, that's hardcore. That type of leader is not like the average bear. Why? Look who he was trained by. Look who, who, we, who he was taught by. Yes, Paul had a hand. But so did, so did Eunice. You see? And when I say, you know, you're female, my sister in Christ whom I love, and I say you cannot be pastor, I don't say that as like, you know, you know, hey, you cannot be pastor, go fly a kite. I don't mean it like that. But you cannot be pastor, biblically speaking. You and me, we are the ones who must align to the word of God. 
You and me, we are the ones who must yield to the word of God. And a lot of men, they they have little power trips, sometimes big power trips. Oh, you women, you are, you know, subservient. No, 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 no. Those are the foolish men. Listen to our study through the pastoral epistles, including the introduction to the pastoral epistles, epistles, because you'll understand more. And I say that specifically to my sisters in Christ, because a lot of stupid men, they get on their little power trips. Oh, I am the head pastor. You have to you submit to the men, you women. You have to submit to the men and this and that. They're stupid. They're fools. But there's a specific framework to order. And if, you've been, if you haven't been walking with us for a while and you're a new listener, welcome. But if you're female and female and married, listen to our studies through Ephesians 5 and 6. Because there are even more qualifiers for biblical submission. We have to understand what the Bible says. Because a lot of carnal men, carnal pastors, they teach a carnal submission. They do not teach a biblical submission. And the fruit is evident. The fruit is evident. But you have to know what to look for. You have to know how to identify, okay, that's bad fruit. That's of the flesh. It is not of the spirit. It is of the flesh. And sometimes it's, you know, it's not, that's not of the flesh. You know, it might have been of the flesh, you know, five years ago, but now it's like straight up of Satan. We have to be wise. And so for women, these older women, you know, not given too much wine in verse three and teachers of good things, teachers of good things. I love this. Kalo didaskalos in the Greek. Kalodidaskalos. You know what that is? It's to be a teacher, an instructor, and a doctor. That's beautiful. That's power. This is for women. Women. I mean, just, so, oh, sometimes women, you know, oh, we got to put you in your place, women. You cannot teach. Wrong. That is false. Women can teach. But there's a specific framework. Kalodidaskalos. Teacher, instructor, and doctor of good things. Of good things. I know women that could mop the floor with pastors. I know of women who could mop the floor with male pastors. But they don't. Why? Because they understand male covering. Look at Chloe. Look at Chloe. I'm so in love with her. Look at Chloe in Corinth. Her home fellowship. Women. She could not submit to the pastors, the male pastors. Why? Because she understood formula. She understood full package. She had a good teacher, Paul. And told her all about full package. Chloe, look for the full package. When you find the full package, you can submit to him. And Chloe, you know, as a Berean, okay, Paul was speaking about full package, said, search the scriptures, okay, he's right, he's right, he's right, okay, I'm a Berean, okay, he's right, he's right, now I'm going to go to church, okay, this guy's defunct, now I'm going to go to this church, okay, this pastor's defunct, now I'm going to go to this church, okay, this pastor's defunct, I can't submit to them. Paul says that I should submit to the, to the, to the pastors because they watch out for my soul, but I can't find any. You see, Chloe, she could have mopped the floor with those guys. 
Chloe could have straight up mopped the floor with those guys. But she didn't. In beautiful humility, she did not. Why? Because, is it because she wanted to be counted as a loser? No. She understood the formula. Hey, ladies, we're going to have a home fellowship. Hey, ladies, come over here. You cannot submit to this guy. He's defunct. Hey, ladies, you cannot submit to this guy. He's defunct. What do you mean he's defunct? Well, for three years, uncorrected sin. And now look, you see in this fellowship, the extortion, the revilers, the the drunkards, the extortioners, the sexually immoral. Look, and then you go to this church over here. Look, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. Look at this. Okay, the sex, drugs, rock. Look, this church over here, sex, drugs, rock. Look, it's on full display. Look at the rotten fruit. And then the ladies, you know what? You're right, Chloe. What time do we meet? You see? What time do we meet? Chloe could have straight up mopped the floor. Chloe could have, she could have done so many powerful things. But she didn't. Because she understood the formula. But she did such a wonderful, powerful thing. You know what they did in the fellowship of Chloe? Let's tell Paul. They go to the male covering. And Paul cleans house. Chloe cleaned house by going to the male covering. Paul. Formula. Look at that obedience to holy formula. Chloe could have mopped the floor with those guys. The pastors, the elders. Oh, Chloe, you're a female. You have to be, you have to submit to us, Chloe. You're a female. You can't teach Chloe. Hey, Chloe, you're just, you know, you're subservient. You're second class. You're not even second class. You're third class. You're nothing, Chloe. We are the men. You have to submit to us. Fools. They were disqualified. Look at the fruit. They were disqualified. You see? And look at this beautiful work of Corinth that happened. You could say yes through Paul. And absolutely, yes through Paul. But... Don't forget Chloe. Don't forget Chloe and that beautiful, beautiful home fellowship. I love that. It's powerful. And just as we see here, like in in verse 3, the older women, I think of beautiful Chloe. I think of beautiful Lydia. You see? Beautiful Phoebe. Remember, some women, Paul had to tell the churches, Hey, do what she tells you. Why? She's with me. You see? Hey, do what she tells you. You know, oh, but we can't submit to the lady. We can't submit to the lady. She can't have authority over us. Hey, she's with me. You see? Male covering. And so you see these older women as teachers of good things. In verse 4, that they admonish or teach and correct the younger women. It just, it, the, the, to teach and correct the younger women is to teach and correct means the young women are in the wrong. In order to admonish the young women, remember, Titus is going to clean house in Crete, establish order. Now, in order to do that, I mean, there's a specific formula for him. But understand, Crete is 
out of order. I mean, in, in many ways, out of order in terms of disorder, but out of order in terms of, you know, limited power, low oil, maybe even no oil. Yeah. When you marry these truths together with other truths found in Scripture, this clear picture. I mean, I mean, we're in Titus 2. And look, already we've made reference to, you know, what Jesus teaches in Matthew. We've made reference to what the Bible teaches in Corinthians. We've made references to other passages of Scripture. It's like it, it marries together. It fits perfectly. Perfectly. Why? Holy formula found in the Word of God. Genesis, Genesis to Revelation. And that these old women, in verse 3, that they admonish, teach, and correct the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. You see, there is... This is in referring to spousal and maternal fondness. And the older women... They have this experience. They have this experience. You look at old ladies in the church, some of them married for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And sometimes people look at the old people as, oh, you know, you're nothing, you know. Look, God is doing some fresh thing with the younger generation. He's doing something fresh. And you know, it breaks my heart because the amount of wisdom that can be found in old people. And when I say old people, I don't mean like old people, like, you know, just run-of-the-mill, old, gray-haired, white-haired, wrinkly person. I'm talking about an old person, yes, gray, yes, white-haired, yes, wrinkly, who's not leaven. We're talking remnant territory. You know how beautiful these people are? Men and women. Do you know how beautiful these people are? I mean, when you read Exodus and, you know, on up to Joshua. And if you've been walking with us for a while, we see that. Old guys. Look at Moses. An old guy. Joshua, an old guy. Caleb. Remember Caleb? Like, look, you know, I went to war when I was a young guy. And here I am, an old guy. And I'm still ready to handle business. You see? Warriors. People think of warriors as like, okay, a young guy, you know, he's big and strong. You know, but in Christ, male, female, young, old, just like Caleb. Young, warrior. Old man, warrior. You know, I'm an old guy, but look, I'm ready to handle business. It just so happens that we studied this very recently. You see? These old people, they have this experience in Christ. I'm not talking just old run-of-the-mill. I'm talking about old remnant. And what breaks me my heart is that they are often, more often, ignored. Ignored in the body of Christ. I hate it. I don't like it. I hate it. Because there's such wealth of knowledge that can be learned and gleaned from these old ladies, old men. Today we have a problem. 
The old women, they want to be young. You ever seen an old lady? She dresses like she's 20 or attempts to dress like she's 20. It just doesn't work. You see the old guys, they try to dress like they're 20. It just doesn't work. And instead of being mature, they behave like adolescents. They behave like adolescents. The young people become the example. You see? And when that happens, which is fleshly, it's of the flesh, it's carnal. Then it introduces all kinds of other doctrines and they start to become tossed to and fro by all kinds of winds of doctrine. The young women... When they are the pattern for emulation, when the young women, when the young men are patterns for emulation, it's very dangerous when the formula is not right. You see? I mean, you go to church and you walk inside and it's like, well, this is like a nightclub. The ladies are dressing a certain way. The men are behaving a certain way. They speak a certain way. And it's like, well, you you get the heebie-jeebies. It's like, well, I, feel, I don't feel like I'm in church. I feel like I'm in a nightclub. And then you look at the old women, and they're behaving like the younger women. They're dressing like the younger women. The old men, they're behaving like the young men. They dress like the, like, like, like the young men. And then the boys and the girls, who do they have as example? Who do, who do the young boys and young girls, say like a, a, a 15-year-old boy and a 15-year-old girl, a 12-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl, an 8-year-old boy and an 8-year-old girl, a 3-year-old boy and a 3-year-old girl, who do they have as godly examples in such a fellowship? Who? Does a 15-year-old girl look at, okay, this lady wants to dress like she's in a nightclub, and I look at this 25-year-old lady, and then I look at the 50-year-old lady, and I look at the 80-year-old lady, and they all look like they're going to go to the nightclub. The 15-year-old girl thinks, okay, I'm in church. This is godly, so I'm going to do it too. What about the boy, the 15-year-old boy? You see? What example is being set forth by the older generation of righteousness. It must be righteous in order for the formula to be right. And so that next generation can see, wow, I want to be like this old lady. Wow, I want to be like this old guy who's walked in the ways of righteousness. Married, not for five years, not for three years, married for 50 years, 60 years. One wife, one husband. Not like, oh, I've been married for five years, but, you know, in total, I've been married for, you know, 80 years because, you know, I had multiple wives, some intersected this, some inter... No, that's an abomination. You see? It's not right. And Titus has to set these things in order. And so we continue about these old women. I say old women, older women. In verse 5, this is old to young, the ministry 
of the older women to the younger women. In verse 5, to be discreet, which is safe and sound. And this is safe and sound mentally in the mind. You ever seen crazy people? Crazy people, straight up, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, crazy people. You know, when you see double-minded reference in the Bible, it's exactly that, spiritual bipolar. You see crazy people. But to be of sound mind, it is not to be crazy. They are the examples, the ones of sound mind. Not the crazy. The crazy isn't the example. The sound-minded one is the example. You see, I meant crazy begets crazy begets crazy begets crazy. Actually, I said word it different. Crazy begets crazier begets crazier begets crazier. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And what do we see in the church today? Crazy time. You see? But where you have sound mind, you know, packaged with other things. You know, the, the, uh, 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 in verse 3, uh, uh, reverent in behavior, not slanders, not giving too much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, which is clean, pure, modest, innocent. You see? Where you see the older women, you know, they they go to church like it's a nightclub. And that's church. What about out of church? If that's how they go to church, what about, how do they dress when they're outside of church? If that's church where it's supposed to be good and pure and holy and sacred, and that's how they go to church, how do they dress when they're outside of church? How do they go to work? How do they go to the grocery store? What in the world do they wear when they're not in church? Those cannot be the example. It is godliness that is the example. Remember, we're not even talking about pastors. You know, pastors, you know, qualified pastors, qualified elder, qualified overseers, they are a pattern, yes. But they're not the only pattern. A 15-year-old girl, what is her pattern? What is... The, what are the females in her fellowship? Can they be the pattern? It depends on the formula. A 15-year-old girl, say a 12-year-old girl in the fellowship. If she's in the fellowship where every, it's like a nightclub, those women cannot be a pattern for the 12-year-old girl. They cannot be a pattern for the 12-year-old girl. Because just like the crazy example, crazy begets crazy, begets crazier, begets crazier, begets crazy. Think about her future, supposedly in the Lord. You see? doesn't work that way. Don't forget, this is a one-on-one -on -one letter. Paul to Timothy. Timothy is qualified, full package, and he is going to establish order. Not by mandate with a gun, you know, hey, you will do this. No, he's going, as verse 1 says, speak. He's going to speak. But who has ears to hear and understand as a Berean with a noble heart? Titus is right. 
You see? Because to say, I'm with Paul, I'm, a, I'm with Cephas, I'm with Apollos, that, not good, because they're qualified. But to make the distinction between Paul and Alexander and Hymenaeus, Alexander and Hymenaeus are disqualified. This discernment must be made. Because you can't say, hey, this isn't a, this is, this, this type of division isn't a good thing. No, that type of division is an absolutely good thing. That type of division is not just important, it is of necessity. It is necessary. Because believers need to understand that pastor disqualified. This pastor, disqualified. That pastor, disqualified. This pastor, disqualified. This pastor, qualified. And when you have a qualified pastor, now you know it is safe to submit yourself to him. Because he's not going to say, hey, wash my car. Hey, you know, take out the trash. No. But he will tell you to take out the trash in your heart. Hey, this sex, get rid of it. The Buddha, get rid of it. You see? This carnality, get rid of it. I mean, you know, in a nice way. (laughs) That's what qualified shepherds do. Keep the house clean. Keep the house of God clean. And don't forget, there's a specific formula within sanctuary. There's grace and mercy. But there's order. We serve a God of order. Now, in continuing in verse 5, still on the women. Homemaker. Homemaker. Okay. Now, for my sisters in Christ, I love you. In what I'm going to say is probably going to rock your world. Me personally, I don't like how this is taught. In fact, I hate how it's taught. To be discreet, to be chest, and then homemakers. And I don't like how it's taught. Because more often than not, it is taken out of context. When it's taken out of context, women become immaculate caretakers of their home. And I get it. They're showing piety. I get it. You know, the Bible says I got to be a homemaker, so I'm going to be a homemaker. What that shows me is their pastor is out of whack. Because, oh, I got to be a homemaker. I got to be a homemaker. Okay, well, what does that entail? Well, I got to clean my house. Okay, well, you know, that's called not living as a pig. Which isn't good. Don't live as a pig. But men do that too. Men don't want to live like pigs. Some men live like pigs, but they make their choice and, you know, it's reflected in their life. Oh, but I got to take care of the kids. I got to take care of the kids. Okay, I get it. But that's, you know, like dads take care of kids too. Remember, remember our study in Ephesians, the buck stops with the dad. The buck stops with the dad. For my beautiful sisters. The buck stops with the dead. That's avoiding the millstone. It's not unique to women. 
Cleaning, not unique to women. Teaching, not unique to women. Oh, but I gotta cook, I gotta cook, I gotta cook, I gotta be a homemaker, I gotta cook, I gotta cook, I gotta cook. Okay? What about the single guys? Single guys cook. You see? I know married women who cannot cook to save their lives. The food that they prepare is terrible. Terrible. No flavor. I mean, oh, look, I made steak for you, husband, and it's better off to eat, you know, a piece of leather. Because there's no flavor in that meat. It's overcooked. It's not seasoned. It's better to eat leather. Is she disobedient to the Lord? No. She just can't cook to save her life. You see? A lot of pastors, the defunct, they teach this verse out of whack. And when they teach out of whack, it doesn't, it reflects on the body, but I look at the pulpit. It reflects on their doctrine. Have you ever been inside a Christian home and everything is just immaculate? No dust, no nothing. It's like, whoa, this is like, does anybody live here? And oh, I'm just, I show piety because I'm serving the Lord as homemaker. Well, what does that mean, sister? You know, let's, let's have a cup of coffee. You know, is it okay if I, you know, put fingerprints on your, on your, on your little coffee pot? Can can I touch it? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Pour my coffee, pour her some coffee. Okay. Here, let's sit down. We sit down. I got my coffee. You got your coffee and forgive me. I put some fingerprints on the pot. I got my fingerprints on the cup. Okay. I'm sorry, but. Tell me, what does homemaking entail? Well, I clean my house. Well, you know, okay. Don't live like a pig. Men do that too. How is that unique to women? Tell me, what what does homemaking entail? Well, I got to take care of the kids. Okay, okay. But biblically, the buck stops with the husband. Biblically, the buck stops with the husband. Remember our study in Ephesians 5 and 6? See, a lot of husbands... You know, a lot of husbands like to pin their responsibility on wife. You know, I I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, met with men, Christians. Hey, how's the family? How's the wife? Oh, she, I got such a godly wife. Oh, praise be the Lord. How's she godly? Well, you know, she cooks that she cooks well. She cleans the house. She keeps the house nice and clean. Uh, She takes care of the kids. Well, okay, let's, let's. Let's remove wife for a second. And a maid could clean. A chef can clean. You can hire a cook. You can hire a nanny, a tutor. Sounds to me like your wife is replaceable. I mean, if that's if if if, if that's what you look for in like a, a, a godly wife, that's what you call a godly wife, then she's replaceable. Because you can get all that in a cook, a, a, a maid. You can get that in the, uh, a tutor. So now, you know, go, going back to the, the little table with, you know, my sisters. Forgive me, I put my fingerprints on the coffee pot. Forgive me, I put my fingerprints on the little spoon to, to, to grab the sugar. Forgive me, I'm sorry. So tell, what does homemaking look like? Well, I got to teach my kids. Okay, we, we, we established that, you know. Buck stops with a husband. And, you know, 
a, a husband wants to avoid the millstone just like a wife. So that's not specific to the woman. That is not specific to the wife. Well, I got to keep my house clean. Okay, you don't want to live like a pig, but guys don't want to live like pigs either. Some guys do, but they make their choice and they're fools. What else? Well, I got to cook. I got to cook. I got to go to the grocery store. Make sure I get all the recipes, this, and all the ingredients, this. I got to cook. I got to cook. I got to cook. Okay, but does, does your ability to cook, does it have any bearing on your salvation and eternity? Because if that were the case, if that were the case, some women are like straight up weeping and gnashing of teeth, burning in hell, hellfire, damnation, the whole nine yards because they can't cook to save their lives. If that were the case. Married women who cannot cook to save their lives. And I know some. Piece of steak, it's better to eat a piece of leather. Men can cook. Before marriage, you know, before a guy gets married, they eat, guys eat. You see? How is that unique to females? How is that aspect of these aspects of homemaking, how is it unique to females? Well, I got to clean. Okay, that's not unique to female. Well, I got to teach the kids. Okay, that's not unique to female. And the buck stops with the husband, biblically. Well, I got to cook. That's not unique to female. You see? And a lot of pastors teach wrongly. To be a homemaker... Oikuros in the Greek. Oikuros. Which comes from two words. Oikos and oros. In the Greek. Two words. Oikos and oros. Remember, we're at the little table. Forgive me for my fingerprints. I got my fingerprints over here. I'm sorry. I took a sip of coffee. I got a little drop on the, on the tablecloth. I'm sorry. That's like a bright white, like freshly bleached tablecloth. I'm sorry. I put a little drop of coffee on it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let me explain to my beautiful sisters whom I love. Two words, oikos and oros. Oikos is of the, of the family, of the home, and of the temple. Of the family, of the home, and of the temple. Oros is to sense and watch as guardian. You see? That's oikuros. In regards to the family, to sense and to watch as guardian. In regards to the home, to sense, to watch as guardian. In regards to to the temple. Now, for my beautiful sisters in Christ whom I love, when your home is a temple, is sanctuary, and within sanctuary, there are temples. Husband, I mean, you know, speaking about married women here, husband, there's yourself, husband and kids. Temples. Remember, oikuros, to sense and to watch as guardian. 
What does that have anything to do with cleaning? I'm not saying, you know, live like a pig and, you know, I'm not saying that. But straight up. What does that have to do with cleaning, dusting, and nothing? Because single guys want to be clean. Some want to be pigs, but they make their choice and they're fools. Oh, but I got to cook for my husband. I got to cook for my husband. I got to cook for my husband. Well, you know, husband's got to eat, but if you weren't in the picture, he would still eat. He's not going to die of starvation without you. You see? Oh, but I got to clean. I got to. He's not going to die from, you know, a little dust here and a little dust there. He's not going to die from that without you. Same with the kids. I mean, with you out of the picture, husband's going to cook up some food. Go to the grocery store, pick up a pizza. With you out of the picture, wife. Things are still going to happen. You see, a lot of pastors teach this homemaking. As cleaning, cooking, taking care of the kids. And I'm not saying those things are bad. But they are not unique and specific to the female. But when you look at the two words of oikos and oros together, which is of the family, home, and temple, to sense and to watch as guardian, now it puts things in a little different perspective. I shouldn't say a little different. It puts things in a lot of different perspective. Forgive me. I put another drop of coffee on the freshly bleached tablecloth. Forgive me. I'm sorry. That means when, you know, little son comes home and, you know, oh, I hung out with this friend. He taught me about pornography. Boom, not on my watch. You know why? Because mama is guardian. She's sensing and watching. She's guardian. Nope, that's not happening. Little, you know, daughter comes home. Baby girl comes home. She's got a joint in her hand, a joint in her pocket. Nope, not on my watch. That's not happening. You see? Husband comes home, wants to watch, you know, uh, the dirty movies on TV. Nope, not on my watch. That's not happening. You see? Because inside the church, inside the church, you have a lot of clean houses. A lot of clean houses. No dust. You have some good cooks, you know. That's debatable. But you have cooks. Some good, some bad, some terrible. You have cooks. You have caretakers of children. But it's not unique to the female. It's not unique to the mom. It's not unique to the wife. Because you remove the wife, these things are still going to happen. The husband is still going to make it happen. He's still going to eat. He's still going to clean the house. I mean, if he's a pig, he's a pig. That's his choice. He's a stupid. He's, he's, He's a fool. He's stupid. You see? You know, the kids are still going to learn, you know, either, you know, he's going to teach them or, you know, public school or, you know, whatever, get a tutor. It's going to happen. But in the church today, you have a whole lot of clean houses. No dust. The house is spick and span. But a whole lot of evil in the temples. Nice clean house. 
Wife can cook, got a little apron on, everything's nice, got a smile on her face. Oh, I'm serving the Lord, I'm serving the Lord, I'm serving the Lord. In piety unto the Lord, I keep my house nice, spickens man, nice and clean. Not a drip over here, not a drop over there, no dust over here, no stains over here. Look, I'm serving the Lord, I'm serving the Lord. You know, uh, meanwhile, the husband's with the strippers. Meanwhile, the husband's with the prostitutes. Meanwhile, you know, little son is learning all about pornography. Meanwhile, daughter's doing her crack with her friends. Oh, but I got a nice clean house. I got a nice clean house. Spick and span. I'm cooking a nice meal for my family. Oh, I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing this. You see what's happening in the church? You see what's happening? My beautiful sisters. Remember, I'm speaking to the females now. This is my sisters in Christ whom I love. Forgive me. I got a fingerprint over here. I've had three cups of coffee now. I got drops. Now your white tablecloth is like dirty now. It's all like stained all around me because, you know, I'm speaking. I drink and I got my drips over here. Forgive me. I'm sorry. But that's what's happening in the church today. A whole lot of clean houses. A whole. I got to cook for my family. You got the good, good cooks, which is debatable. You get the good cleaners. You see, oh, but I got to take care of my kids. Okay, well, if you were out of the picture, you know, a nanny could do that. You see? But who is the woman? Where is my sister? Where is my beautiful, beautiful sister who can sense who can watch as a guardian in her home. You see? Baby girl comes in with a joint in her pocket, not on my watch. You see? Little son learning all about pornography, not on my watch. Husband comes home, has a a hard day at work. Here, husband, you know, take a load off, have a seat. Turns on the TV, starts watching his strippers, the nudity, all these things. Boom, not on my watch. Where is my sister? Who can sense and watch as guardian in her home? You see? I don't care about the cleaning. Anybody can do that. I don't care about the cooking. Anybody can do that. Some worse than others. Some terrible. You see? A little side note. A little side note. Not to introduce anything weird. But I'm going to bring up Portuguese. Portuguese. Oros. Which is... You know, to sense and to watch as guardian in the Greek. In Portuguese, it's also diamonds. I like that. Diamonds. Because there are attributes of godliness and holiness which are more precious than rubies. You see? That's a homemaker. It's a guard to be on guard. Now, you see a woman like that and of the males in that home, a husband and a son 
maybe a couple sons, maybe three, four, five. I mean, maybe more sons, but I'm just saying, you know. You take a home like that. Do you see what the sons can learn in terms of guarding the home? Now, it is true that women cannot be pastors. It is true. But for my sisters in Christ, whom I love, there is a better ministry. People think, oh, a pastor is the ultimate, so I'm going to be a pastor. There is a better ministry. It's being an instructor of the next generation of pastors. Because a son can grow up in a home where mom is a biblical homemaker. Forget the cooking. Forget the cleaning. You see? Caretaking. You get a nanny for that. You get a cook. You get a maid. A piece of cake. That's replaceable. What's irreplaceable is oikuros. To be on guard. You think a, you think a nanny is going to be on guard for the soul of, you know, those in the home? You think a maid is going to be on spiritual guard for those who live in that home? You see? You think a cook is going to be on guard for those in the home? The answer is no. But a godly woman? Yes. Diamonds, which are better than rubies. You see? Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I got some stains of coffee. I put a drip here. I got my fingerprints here. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everything's spick and span, but it's not anymore because I made a mess. But now that you understand, okay, let the mess be. But you can be on guard. You see? To be on guard. We have to understand. We must understand. I mean, not to suggest that like a hundred years ago it was okay not to understand because it wasn't it wasn't good at any time. But today, even more so in these last days, when the church I can't say it's going to be a madhouse. I cannot say that. Because it already is. Crazy town. But there is the way of the remnant. Oh, I got to be a homemaker. I got to cook. got to clean. got to take care of the kids. It's not unique to the female. Husband's got to do it too. The buck stops with him. Remember, coverings, always male. Remember. But a biblically qualified homemaker, Oikuros, that's warrior. That's warrior. I mean, to be on guard, we're talking warrior class. That's a big deal. And that's what Paul is instructing to Titus to teach. Not to be silent about this. Is he going to go in and you know, put a gun to the women? Hey, women, you know, you know, this is how you have to behave. No. But he's going to speak, as in verse 1. But as for you, speak on these things, Titus. Now, is Titus going to establish order? Now, situationally speaking, 
you might see, okay, Titus, Crete looks like this, and Crete is out of order. And then, you know, five years later, you look and it's like, okay, Crete is still out of order. Was Titus ineffective? Well, when you look at the remnant, you see, when you look at the remnant, you see order. Because, I mean, Titus goes into town and says, hey, this is what we align to. This is what we yield to. This is the word of God. People might say, hey, Titus, go fly a kite. They might be like Alexander and Himenaeus. Hey, Titus, go fly a kite. Did Titus fail? Because there might be one or two that say, Titus, you're right. We've searched the scriptures. We love the Lord. We fear the Lord. We search the scriptures with a noble heart. And Titus, you know what? You're right. A little painful to, to hear what you had to say, but we search the scriptures and you're right, Titus. So you know what? We're not going to fellowship here anymore, but we're going to align to you, Titus. Because you taught well. So five years later, you might see the status quo as being the status quo. But when you look at a remnant, a new fellowship has arisen. A peculiar people. Different from the rest. It's called the remnant. You see? Warrior women, warrior men, warrior boys, warrior girls... Warrior old people, warrior everybody. You see? Different. We see here in verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. You see? It's to subordinate to emphasis on own husband. You see, it's not men in general. It's not like, oh, yeah. have you ever been to a church and you see the women, they're like second class. I hate that. That's like a sign of, okay, defunctness all around. The pastors are stupid. Where you see, you go into a church and you see the women and they're like second class and they behave like they're second class. That's because they're taught wrong. I don't blame the women. I don't blame the pews. I blame the pulpit. Show me the pastor. Who is the pastor? Who is the who in the world gets off teaching this way? You see? Oh, women, you have to submit to your husband. Oh, women, you have to be a homemaker. And to be a homemaker, you got to keep the house clean. And you got to serve your husband. And you got to, you know, cook for him. And you got to clean for him. And you got to do this. You got to do that. And the women are like, you know, writing notes. Okay, I got to do this. And they're writing notes, okay, I got to repent because, you know, I didn't change the sheets. Oh, I got to repent because I didn't fold the clothes. Oh, I got to repent because I didn't iron. Oh, I got to repent because, you know, my husband didn't like this. I got to repent because uh, my husband didn't like the, 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 the pasta I made. I got to repent. And the women think they're disobedient. And then you have women who were, they're like, sir, they're, 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 forgive me for saying this, but you have women who are more, concubine than wife. You see? Women who are more concubine than helper. Women who are more servant than 
helper in terms of helping a man unto the Lord. Don't forget, for my sisters in Christ, the goal for your husband, the goal for your husband is that he died to the flesh. I mean, I'm not carnally speaking. I'm not saying, you know, hey, you know, hey, wives, my exhortation to you, kill your husbands. I'm not saying that of the flesh. But according to the spirit, kill your husbands. You see, I'm not saying according to the flesh, you know, like, you know, you know, your husband's sleeping, you know, he, uh, drop a brick on his head. I'm not saying that. But sometimes you got to. You just, sometimes you just got to lay it down and, you know, lay it down hardcore, spiritually speaking. In my house, husband, that's not happening. Why? Because you're a warrior on guard. He might not know it, but it's for his temple. You see? A lot of women get into trouble because, oh, I got to submit to my husband. I got to submit to my husband. My husband's a sex head. He does his pornography. He does this. I'm a little chubby. And then they go to the pastors. Hey, pastor, you know, my husband has a problem with pornography. And, you know, why is that? And then the pastor say, well, it's because you let yourself go. Look, you're chubby. I've seen your pictures when you were married. You were young. You were thin. But now look at you. Now you're wrinkly, you're chubby. So the pastor says, okay, you have to submit to your husband and you got to please your husband. So go to the gym, work out, cook better, you know, take some cooking classes. That's stupid. That's so carnal. That's carnal. That's carnality. And a lot of women, they defile themselves. Because the husband has a defiled mind and he wants to be pleased sexually. Oh, wife, you have to submit to me. So therefore, I want you to perform like this. I want you to perform like these freaks I watch on the internet. I want you to perform like these freaks I see at the strip club. I want you to perform like the prostitutes over here. So wife, you have to perform. You have to perform. That's not a wife. That's a concubine. And then the woman submits to the husband and says, okay, husband, I got to do that. Because the Bible says, submit to the husband. The Bible says, you know, I got to submit to the husband. The Bible says that I got to be a homemaker. The Bible says I got to please my husband. And then a lot of pastors give guilt trips to the wives. Oh, it's your fault, wife. It's your. I'll tell you, this is found heavily, heavily. Of course, false doctrine. But this is found heavily in the Calvinist churches and the Reformed churches Sometimes you see it in, you know, in the Baptists, Southern Baptists. But it is found heavenly in the Calvinist and Reformed. Where the wife is second class. The wife is more slave than friend. The wife is more concubine than helper. Now, for my sisters, listen to our study from Ephesians 5 and 6 about the home because when you understand that the formula is wrong in the husband the husband wants to be a freak show and do his sex and his strippers and all don't forget where you see sexual sin 
and the marriage bed, the bonds of the marriage bed, when that is broken, biblically speaking, that is grounds for divorce. And then you have pastors who give guilt trips. Oh, God hates divorce. Yes, God hates divorce, but it's not the wife's fault. It's the husband's fault. See? I mean, we're talking about an unfaithful husband in this scenario. It's the wife's fault if she's unfaithful. But majority of the times, it's the husband that's unfaithful. You see? Wives are on guilt trips. Oh, my, the Lord hates divorce. The Lord hates divorce. And he went to the strippers. He went to the prostitutes because of me, because I'm chubby, because I'm old, I'm wrinkly. I got gray hair. I don't have the young hair anymore. My hair is falling out. I'm, I'm almost bald. I got to wear the wigs now. You see? And it's my fault. It's my fault. Listen, it is not your fault. Biblically speaking, you have to help your husband die according to the spirit. And die to the flesh too. Now that's not to say, you know, put arsenic in his food. <laughs> Don't do that. But when you're a homemaker, a, a biblical homemaker, remember, oikos and oros, oikuros, and you're watching on guard, of course, over yourself, but over him, over the kids. That's warrior women. Understand the formula. Husband wants to do his craziness. You cannot submit to that. Oh, you're, you're promoting disobedience. You're promoting something that's outside of scripture. No, everything has to align. Yes, for women to be obedient to their own husbands, not husbands in general, own husbands. You see, when the formula is right in husband, you know it is safe to submit. It is safe to submit. Just like a pastor. When the formula is right in the pastor, you know it is safe to submit. But with the husband, when the formula is right in him, you know it's safe to submit. But a husband who's going to go to the prostitutes and do his pornography and do his strippers and then come home and say, Hey, you know, to make, to, to please me, you have to do this. You have to perform like this. You have to perform like this and you have to defile your body. And perform like this in submission to me. You cannot submit. But you can submit to the better husband. His name is Jesus Christ. Don't forget, sexual sin, where you see infidelity, where the marriage bed is broken. Biblically speaking, that is grounds for divorce, biblical divorce. And wives, wives feel like dirt. Of course, feel like dirt naturally. The marriage bed is broken. But now it's a double whammy because now the, they go to the counselor. They go to the pastor to seek counsel. And the pastor says, it's your fault. You're chubby. You're old. You're wrinkly. Now it's a double whammy. Now the husband was unfaithful, which is, you know, you feel like dirt. But now it's because of you. Now you double feel like dirt. Now it's a triple whammy. Why? Because God hates divorce and you just have to deal with it and stay married. You see, it's a triple whammy. But in the Bible, there is no triple whammy. There is no triple dirt. The husband wants to be unfaithful, which is his choice. 
grounds for divorce. It's not your fault, wife. It's his fault. He's the one who broke the bonds. He's the one who broke the marriage covenant. You see? There is obedience unto own husband. Not all husbands. You, you see, you, you go to church, you see all the women are like, you know, the, the men are like gods. You know, the men are like, like you, know, you see all the women, they're like, wow, well, yeah, yeah, yes, sir. You know, they're like, like a servant class, like oh, all through the church, you know, oh, yes, you know, yes. Oh, the man, okay, yes, I'll do. What is that? And then you see the little girls, they're learning that. What is that? It's unbiblical. Look at the sexual atrocities that are happening in churches, Baptist churches, Calvinist churches, Reformed churches, Presbyterian churches. Look at the sexual sin. And then you talk with these victims of abuse, the women, sometimes children. A guy who, you know, the wife got chubby. The wife got old, wrinkly, and chubby, which is inevitable. I mean, everybody's getting old. We're all getting old. It's in, if that's the framework for, you know, sexual infidelity, then everybody's in trouble because everybody's getting old. It's stupid. It doesn't fit. It's foolishness. But you talk to these victims, these women, abusive victims of abuse and it's always her fault well you got chubby well you know you're you're wrinkly now so you go into church and the women they're getting their fillers little botox here little botox there which wears off you know the women get have you seen the women like fresh botox they look weird it doesn't look natural it just looks weird they get the fillers in the lips. They get the, you know, the fake eyelashes. They dress a certain, it just looks weird. It doesn't look natural. It's, it's not natural, but it just doesn't look natural. Oh, but I got to submit to my husband. Well, is the formula in husband right? Because let's analyze husband. Is he a sex head, you know? Pornography? Strippers? Prostitutes? You see? And then you have victims in the children. Then you get into, you know, wickedness begets wickedness begets wickedness. Pedophilia. It's happening. You know, I hate to speak this way. I hate it. And I can't say it's coming because it's already here. Pastors who are pedophiles. Praying, they're wolves at the pulpit and they're preying on the children. They're preying on the youth, like youth, youth pastors, children's ministries. And you have disqualified men who prey upon teenage girls, prey upon young boys and girls, teenage boys and girls. And then you have so-called pastors. When it's revealed. Well, wife, it's because it's your fault. You let yourself go, so naturally he went to the children. What is that? What is that? That is... Where is that found in the Bible? 
Then you have pastors, they try to cover it up. You have churches, ministries. They, they're shielding the wolves. They say, okay, this was found out and you know, hey, pastor, we like you. Hey, elder, we like you. And you know, we can't have this happen. So, you know, we're in Los Angeles and we have a sister church in, in Philly. And so we're going to send you to Philly. You can have a church over there in Philly. You can be a pastor in Philadelphia. You see? Running away from the law, which the law says, hey, you need to be in prison. You want to do your pedophilia? Boom, prison. Then you have pastors who say, okay, we're going to send you to our sister church. We're going to send you to a church in, you know, in Philly and in Miami. We're going to send you to Houston. We're going to send you to Omaha and you can have a church there. You can fill, you can be an elder there. You can be an overseer. They're shielding, they're protecting the wolves. That's what's happening. I wish I didn't have to say this. I wish. But I have to speak on these things. Because it's happening. It's here. You see? Biblical qualifiers for submission. Is it just like we say to children? You know, respect your parents. But if dad says, hey, son, you know, here's 50 bucks. Go buy me a hit of, you know, meth. Hey, son, here's 200 bucks. Go buy me some, go buy me some goofballs. You know, hey, son, I need to cook. I'm going to cook spoons tonight. Go buy me, you know, here's a hundred bucks. Go buy me something. No, the son has to say, listen, pops, I respect you. I mean, you are my dad after all, but that's not happening. I will not submit to that. I will submit to Jesus Christ. And in so doing, I'm not going to do that. Because as for me, that's not happening. You see? Meanwhile, the house is spick and span. No dust. Everything's vacuumed. You know, nice dinner at night. Nice breakfast. Got the lunches made for the kids. You know, everything's nice and nice and neat. Except you have temples defiled. That's what's happening. Then we see in verse 5 that the word of God may not be blasphemed or spoken evil of. You see? Oh, it's just a little white lie. Oh, it's just a little alcohol. Oh, it's just a little yoga. Just a little Buddha, no big deal. That's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Remember, Titus, this is a one-on-one letter. The Lord leaked this. The letter got leaked. Paul wrote this letter to Titus. And it's the Lord who leaked this letter so that you and me can understand these qualifiers. And not just qualifiers, this task that Titus is going to do to establish order in the fellowships in Crete. You see? And it aligns perfectly to when order was established in Corinth, in Galatia, when order is established. In order for order to be established or re-established, in order for that to happen, there must be, number one, discernment. Number two, the distinction from leaven and remnant. And then number three, division. The act of separating. 
You see? That's what... Point blank. That's what has to happen. And yes, it's painful. Yes, it's sad because it doesn't have to be that way. But once you have the remnant, the leaven's gone, the leaven's taken care of, now you're going to have victory in Christ. Just like with Achan, remember? There was losses with Achan. Remember our study in Joshua 7? Joshua's taken, or Achan is taken care of. Now, victory resumes. But it's the same way among the remnant. Once Achan is taken care of, remember, Achan had his choice. He could have repented, but he didn't. Once the leaven's taken care of, look at what happens among the remnant. We're talking love feast. We're talking gifts of the spirit. We're talking the power of the, we're talking like oil. Like these lamps are not like just full. These are like lamps with, with, lamps with oil, but like with the, like a supply of oil. That's the power of the Lord. You see? Then we see here in verse six. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Notice there's a lot of mention here of sobriety, self-control of the mind. Very interesting. When we look at Timothy's and the Titus, a lot of mention of sobriety, self-control of the mind. We see in verse 7, in all things showing yourself. Remember, this is Paul to Titus. In all things, showing yourself. Showing here is to present and exhibit. If you and me to go, were to go to a car show, you see cars on exhibit. You see, you know, open up the hood. It's like, wow, look how clean that engine is. Look at this. You open up the door. It's like, wow, look at everything's pristine. Everything's like whew, polished. They have mirrors on the ground so you can see the undercarriage. It's like, whoa, everything's like pristine and clean, no dirt. And you look at the rims of the wheels, there's like no dirt, it's spotless, it's immaculate because it is on exhibit, being presented. And that's what Paul is saying to Titus. He's the full package, but on full display. Showing yourself, Titus, to be a pattern or a model of good works, of good deeds and good acts. In doctrine, showing integrity. In doctrine, showing integrity. You know what this is? Showing purity in doctrine. Showing uncorruptness in doctrine. And showing incorruptibility in doctrine. That's a dangerous guy, Titus. He's dangerous. The good dangerous. The good dangerous. Remember the example we give, you know? Baby girl's got to walk through, you know, Fallujah. Baby girl's got to walk through Fallujah. Very dangerous for baby girl. But baby girl grows up. She becomes deadly. She becomes dangerous. You see, now she's not alone. She's with a group of other dangerous people. Now, to walk through Fallujah? Not to suggest that it's a piece of cake, but in some ways it's a piece of cake. Why? 
That's a group of dangerous people. You see? And that's what comes from doctrine. In doctrine, remember, Titus, he's on display. The hood's open. You got the mirrors. You can see underneath everything pristine. Purity. Doctrinally pure. Doctrinally uncorrupt and doctrinally there's incorruptibility. It's like, you know, have you seen like rhino lining on a truck? Where like before, you know, you put the, the bed of a truck. It's like, wow, you know, this get dented here, dental. You get like rhino lining. It's incorruptible. Same thing. Spiritual rhino lining inside of us. Spiritual rhino lining inside of Titus. It's uncorrupt now, but it's also for the future incorruptibility. This is a very dangerous guy, Titus. Very, the good dangerous. Not wolf dangerous, wolf killer dangerous. This is a very dangerous guy. That's the good dangerous. And he is also a pattern. Just like you see the old guys, the old ladies, a pattern. And don't forget when we speak of marriage, which is a beautiful institution. But me personally, I hate speaking about marriage. I don't like it because a lot of times... People don't understand it. You know, they expect like, well, you know, marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. Yes, you know, you know, marriage unto the better husband, beautiful. And I'm not saying marriage is a bad thing, but don't forget when Paul makes his recommendation, he says, you know, I wish that you guys would just be like me, nice and single, that we married to Christ. And of the married people, you know, to be as though you were not married. Not, he doesn't say that, hey, you know, you married people, I, you know, to be as though you were not married so that you can go to the, the, the nightclub, you know, so you can go to, you know, ladies night. No. He doesn't say that. But he says to be, at, to the married, to be as though unmarried so that we can please Christ. You see? Look at, look at Priscilla and Aquila. A married couple. Was Priscilla a homemaker? Like, you know, did she keep a clean house? Was she a good cook? You see? She might have been a good cook. But she was a warrior. A teacher of Apollos. You see? Priscilla was a teacher of a pastor. But not... She had, don't forget, she had her covering, her male covering of her husband who was qualified. And with that male covering, she is qualified. Not to suggest that, you know, you know, you go ahead and start teaching pastors, go ahead and start teaching men because you cannot have covering over male. But there were certain things that Apollos didn't understand. The baptism of John versus the baptism of the spirit. Remember? And so it wasn't like an authority trip, like, oh, you know, uh, uh, Apollos, you know, step into my office, you know, and I have authority over you. No. But there was, was the male covering of husband where Apollos could go sit on the couch. Apollos and Priscilla, or, or, or Priscilla and Aquila together, male covering, husband, qualified, can say, hey, Apollos, let us tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, iron sharpens iron. Rubber doesn't sharpen iron. You don't take a rubber mallet and pound at a sword. No, that sword's going to be dull. I mean, if a sword is dull, you're not going to sharpen it with a rubber mallet. You're not going to sharpen it with styrofoam. You're not going to sharpen it with, you know, cardboard. 
It's not going to happen. But it is iron that sharpens iron. You see? You see how it just, it fits perfectly. It fits perfectly. There's no, you know, when it doesn't fit perfectly, you, you see people, they're making stuff up. You know, they, they see, well, it doesn't fit. So that was for another dispensation. Well, it doesn't fit. So that was, uh, uh, let me see, that was, well, you know, that it, it, then it's okay for women to have authority over men, even though it says that's not the case over here. So because of this, now we can do this and this and oh, we're iron sharpening iron. And listen, where the doctrine is false, that ain't iron. You see, that cannot sharpen. People make up excuses. Well, I know the Bible says this and okay, but that was in accordance to another dispensation. It is no longer for today. You see, they make stuff up. They make stuff up. But Titus is a pattern on display. Rhino lining, everything pristine. Uncorrupt, incorruptibility, he is a dangerous, dangerous warrior. The good dangerous. Where the wolf comes, wolf dies. Metaphysically speaking. And in showing himself to be a pattern, Paul continues in verse 7, reverence, which is honest, virtuous, trustworthy. You see? Complete and confirmed in integrity. Incorruptibility, he says, which is genuine and sincere. It's not an act. It's not an act. It's not Titus, you know, acting like he's pastor. Titus acting like he's overseer. No, he's the real deal. Full package. It's not an act. He's the real deal, the full package. And you know what? He's He, he, he doesn't have a plank in his eye. He is biblically qualified to serve the Lord in this capacity as overseer and yes, also as corrector to establish order in Crete. It's genuine. It's sincere. He's not acting like a pastor so he can boost the numbers. He's not acting like a shepherd so that he can, you know, have a mega church. He's not acting like a pastor so that he can make more money and profit. No, he is a qualified shepherd and he's leading souls, saints to paradise, to paradise. Continuing in this model and example and pattern of Titus, he continues in verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, translates as confounded and give reverence. You see, have you ever spoken to Satanists or lesbians and homosexuals, liberals, people of different religions? And they say, you know what? I don't like Christians. But there's something different about you. I'll have this conversation with you. You know what? I'm a lesbian, but I'll have this conversation with you. I'm a Satanist, but I'll have this conversation. And, you know, it was a little rough at first because I don't like Christians. But you're different. Have you ever talked with a Satanist where they're... I've never heard it like that before. 
a lesbian, a homosexual. I've never heard it like that before. A Mormon, J-Dub, Jehovah's Witness. I've never heard it like that before. You see? You're different. And that's what's happening here in verse 8. Remember, Titus is deadly. The good deadly. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed. Having nothing evil to say of you. You see? It is true that the world will come against Christians. It is true that Godliness is at enmity with the things of the world. But it is also true that some will be confounded when they meet a Titus type of saint. You see? And this is a good step forward toward salvation. Remember Paul when he was before the council? This is before he went to Rome. And he's speaking with the governors. And Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. You see? And that's what we see here in verse 8. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. Now, don't forget it was true that, you know, Paul was beaten and left for dead. But with some, their encounter with Paul, who was deadly, was a step toward their salvation in Christ. That's that's the way of righteousness. You don't have to be a jerk. When you stand for righteousness, you don't have to be a jerk. You do not. I mean, I don't want to say you do not have to. Don't be. Don't be. You know, you speak. You speak and people make their choice. Balls in their court. You don't have to be a jerk. I've had these conversations with the lesbians, with the homosexuals, with the Satanists. And they're the ones who say, I hate Christians, but I'll talk with you. You're different. And I don't say that in a boastful way, but it's exactly what we see here in verse 8. The speech is sound. It's not crazy. It's not crazy at all. Jews who are afraid to have conversations with Christians, and I get it, I understand it, because a lot of Christians, because of false doctrine, they teach replacement theology, and, you know, if they don't teach it, you know, they're taught it, and so they think, okay, God is done with Israel, you see, and then you see the rise of the BDS movement inside the church, which is satanic, it's all in preparation, it's in accordance to the Antichrist spirit, who's preparing the way for the revealing of the Antichrist. Which is going to happen. As surely as the Lord lives, it's going to happen. But it could happen very soon. Very soon. 
And when I say very soon, I mean like very soon. And sometimes people say, well, we're going to be raptured out of here. It's not what the Bible teaches. Not pre-tribulation. There is a rapture. There is a resurrection. But it is not before the 70th week of Daniel. Listen to our studies. The resources are there. We've gone through some major prophetic books. uh, The studies through the Thessalonian letters. Read it. The the resources, they're there. The, The teachings are there. Have your Bible open. Read. Follow along. And you'll understand. A lot of Christians today are not ready for the fight that's ahead of us. The spiritual fight are not ready for the fight that's ahead of us. You see? Look at verse 9. Exhort exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters. Now, we don't have, you know, I teach from America and we don't have, you know, like, you know, slave and master relations anymore. But we do have employee and employer relations. Let me put this another way. Exhort employees to be obedient to their own employers, to their own bosses, to their own uh, managers, to their own supervisors. Tell them. In verse, remember, Titus, just like with Timothy, you're going to encounter all kinds of different scenarios and situations. Exhort the employees to be obedient to their own employers, their bosses, their managers, to be well-pleasing in all things. Now, let me tell you something. Extortion is not well-pleasing to employers, to bosses. Not well-pleasing. Hey, boss, uh, let me talk to you. Look, I got this company is offering me, you know, 20% more than you're offering me. And if you can't match it, I'm out of here. Hey, boss, look, this company is offering me 10% more, 5% more. And if you can't match it, I'm out of here. That's extortion. That's extortion. Something the Bible says to separate from. It is not well-pleasing to employers. Exhort employees to be obedient to their own employers. To be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. To dispute and refuse and speak against. Oh, um, you know, I'm I'm anti-capitalism, so you can't tell me to do this. Okay, boom, you're fired. You see? Oh, you know what? I, I I don't like how you have me. I'm above mopping floors. I'm not going to mop floors. I'm above, you know, flipping burgers. I'm not going to flip burgers. Okay, boom, you're fired. You see? It just so happens we live in a world where, you know, the love of money is not good. But we use money to buy groceries. We use money to put food on the table. We use money to pay rent, to pay mortgage. The love of money is not good. But we use money for certain things in life. Always rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But don't forget, unto the Lord 
what is the Lord's? You see? Not pilfering, which is embezzling, but showing all good fidelity. Remember, this is saints who are employees. Showing all good fidelity. This is conduct that is upright and becoming. He says that saints, that they, the saints, may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. You know what this is? That they may adorn. Cosmeo is the Greek. Where we get the word cosmetics. You see? That they, speaking of the saints, may adorn. It's to adorn and decorate. The doctrine or the instruction of God, our Savior, in all things. The beauty of the saints, male, female, young, old. The beauty of the saints is not carnal. It's not makeup. It's not fashion. It's not the big muscles. The beauty of the saint is righteousness. That's the beauty of the saints. Righteousness. Godliness. In Crete, things are out of order. Big time. They're out of whack. Now, look at the endeavor of the qualified worker who is not like the average bear. Speaking of Titus, who was at one time not like the average cub, but he grew up and matured and he's not like the average bear. Just like his teacher. He had a good teacher. His name is Paul. Tiny bubble. These aren't run-of-the-mill pastors. We're in the pastoral studies, the pastoral epistles. These are not run-of-the-mill pastors. These aren't people who have the pastor parking spot. They got the name tags that says they're a pastor. They're the real deal. Because anybody can call themselves a pastor. But their qualifiers are found in the Word of God. You see? And don't forget, the home is open to scrutiny. Oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. Wife's crazy alcoholic, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia. Sorry, pastor, you're disqualified. Take care of your own home. You see? Take care of your own home. Oh, wife's alcoholic, you know, wife's alcoholic, you know, daughter's sexually active, son is sexually active, daughter does her yoga, she does her chakras, son is doing the Buddha. And Sorry, you call yourself a pastor, but the Bible says I cannot submit to you. Oh, but the Bible says submit to the pastor because he watches out for your soul. Nope, nope, sorry. You call yourself a pastor, but you're not watching out for my soul. I cannot let you watch out for my soul. And I will not submit to you because you can't even care for your own home. You can't even biblically oversee your own home because look at it. But I went to ministry school. I got the degree in theology. I went to Bible college. Sounds like you got a lot of judgment. Sounds like you got a lot of judgment because supposedly you know, you know better. And you want to be a pastor? You want to be an elder? You want to be an overseer? Because you went to Bible college? You tell me you know the Bible like the back of your hand? You tell me you got a doctorate in theology, you got a uh, 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 um, uh, the masters, you got the whatever in theology. 
Sounds like a whole lot of judgment. You better repent. You better repent and get your home in order. Because, sorry, you cannot be a pastor. You cannot be an elder. See, you you might be of sound mind, but look at your home. The home is open to scrutiny. The home is open for discernment. And when I look at your wife, she's crazy. When I look at your wife, she's alcoholic. When I look at your son, he's a sex head. He does his crack. When I look at your daughter, she does her chakras and cooks spoons. Disqualification. Oh, man. I cannot call you pastor because you're not. You can call yourself pastor, but, you know, I can't say, you know, you're going to burn in hell, but, you know, the, you, you, the door is open, you know, it's on you. We have to be wise. Understand the formula. Understand the recipe. It's the Lord who leaked these letters so that we can know. Now, just in what we've studied so far in Titus chapter 2, in verse 7, we see Titus is an example. We see in verse 2, the old men are examples. In verse 3, the old women are examples. In verse 4, the young men are sponges. In verse 6, or in, in, in verse 4, the young women are sponges. And in verse 6, the young men are sponges. They're learning. From the pastor, yes. But what about from the old people? You see? Look at the glorious beauty of a church like this. And Titus is going to establish order. Look at the beauty of this church. All these attributes that we looked at. I love this. All these attributes. They're gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. The qualifiers, the biblical qualifiers. Yes, qualifiers for pastor. But what about the qualifiers for the old guys and for the old gals as examples for the young guys and the young gals? And when you look at these attributes, it's like, wait a second. That's like, it's almost like you're reading. Wait, I read this already in Ephesians. Wait a second. I read this already in 2 Corinthians. Wait a second. I read this already in, in Ephesians and Galatians. Yeah, you know why? It's gifts of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. Now, think of the safety of everyone inside a fellowship like this. Think of the safety of everyone inside a fellowship like this. What Titus is going to establish this order, but a fellowship like this in the glory of the Lord with the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Very rare. But look how beautiful Crete can be. You see? Remember the two strippers we spoke about on Wednesday in our Wednesday study? You take a room 
And inside that room are two strippers. And I hate, I hate speaking like this. And I also love speaking like this. I hate speaking about it because it's like, it's like has carnal and worldly implications. Understandably, we don't need to get into specifics, but you understand. Two strippers are in a room. They're not in work mode, but that's their, that's what they do for a living. And they're in that room. And they probably dress a certain way. They probably speak a certain way. They probably behave a certain way. Understandably. Because that's... Under, it's understandable. Because they don't know. They they don't know. That's It's completely understandable. Now, for a male, a baby Christian, to enter that room, it's dangerous for him. For the adolescent Christian, spiritually speaking, you know, baby, not like, you know, a, 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 a five-month-old is going to crawl in there. No, I'm not speaking like, I'm talking about, you know, like a, say like a, a, a 30-year-old male, a 40-year-old male who's a baby Christian. To walk into that room, it's very dangerous for him. For the adolescent male to walk in that room. Very dangerous. For the mature male to walk into that room, very dangerous. But for the deadly male, like Titus, like Paul, like Timothy, for him to walk in that room, it's dangerous, but not dangerous for him. It's dangerous for the strippers. You see? Because... In the earlier cases, the baby Christian walks in, he's probably going to fall. The adolescent walks in, probably going to fall. The mature walks in, probably going to fall. The deadly walks in. And it is very, very likely, very likely, that three Christians will exit. You see? Because the two strippers have been persuaded by the deadly man. And now they're Christians. Praise be to the Lord. Now, for these two strippers, now there's, there's certain things that have to happen. It's okay. okay you, new line of work. You know, there's, there's no more. You know, you're, you, you can't be the stripper anymore. You know, work in the church. You know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll help you. You know, we'll. We'll, we'll help you get employed. We'll help because, listen, you, you can't be a stripper anymore. Those days are over. You're a new creation in Christ. Okay? So now for those two strippers, they come to church. Now, everything that they've known about the world, is this, they're, 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 they're babies. That meant you open up their closet and their wardrobe is probably very inappropriate. They have to learn these things. Now, you take these two strippers and you put them in a church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. They're not going to grow. Number one, they're not going to grow. Number two, it's very likely that they're going to fall away. Number three, it's very likely that because of them, other Christians are going to fall away. And number four, as a result... Of the defunct, what we see in uh, uh, um, 
in, in verse five, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Well, what happens? The word of God is blasphemed. I mean, have you ever spoken to non-believers and they say, well, wow, you know, like you want me to come to righteousness. You want me to live for God. And I look at the church and it's like, well, like what's the difference? You know, like I'm doing my sex, my drugs, my alcohol. And I look at the church and they're doing their sex, their drugs, their alcohol. What's the difference? You see, I mean, I got, I got better things to do on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning. I could be sleeping. You see, I got better things to do on a Wednesday night. I could be sleeping. You see, what's the difference? There is no difference. There is no difference with that kind of church under the leadership of the defunct. And you have these conversations with non-believers. It's like, well, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. Because I'm not a believer and I'm not having sex with my dad's wife. I'm not a believer. I'm not a crackhead. I'm not a believer. And, you know, I'm not molesting kids. And yet you have pastors that are doing that. You see, I want nothing to do with the church. And you have these conversations. I've had the conversations with people. Satanists, lesbians, homosexuals, Mormons. You know, they just say straight up, I'm lesbian. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live. And I want nothing to do with the church. And I hate Christians. But you know what? I'll have these conversations with you. I'll have, you know, these deep conversations with you. Or even the Satanists. And a lot of Satanists, in my experience, they know the Bible better than Christians. Because a lot of them are were raised in the church and turned off from the hypocrisy that they see in the church, which is understandable. And sometimes I talk with the Satanists and, you know, I want nothing to do with the church. And it's like, okay, tell me about your church. Tell me about your experience with the church. And they start to explain this, 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 this. It's like, wow, I'm glad you have nothing to do with that. But there's a there's something to note. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not what the Bible teaches. You see, that church, that's Laodicea. And they're in trouble. Without repentance, they're in trouble. The door is open to the lake of fire for them. So I'm glad you didn't go there. But, or I'm glad you extricated yourself from that situation. But we still have some problems. For you. And to talk with these Satanists and lesbians and homosexuals, it's, wow, you know, I hate Christians, but you just lay it out. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a homosexual Satanist. And who might be listening? And I love you. I pray for you. A homosexual Satanist. It's like, wow, you know what? I hate Christians. But you're different. I'll talk with you about this. And praise be to the Lord. Because these are like the pathway to, to bring somebody to the door. You can't throw them through the door. They have a choice to make. But you don't have to be a jerk and beat somebody up and drag them to the door. You can't throw them to the door. You can't beat and drag them to the door. But you can walk with me to the door. If you're not a believer, you can walk with me to the door. Come on. But enter the door, which is a choice. You see? 
And if you want to commit your life to Christ, you do so right here, right now. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. Do it. When you come back, we listen, we grow together. You and me abiding in Christ together. Male, female, young, old, stripper, prostitute, crackhead, meth head, I don't care. Those days are over. We are new creations in Christ. So the example we gave with the two strippers, the two strippers, you say, oh, I hate strippers, I hate strippers. Listen, hate the sin. Hate the sin. Because two strippers who die without Jesus Christ, they will burn in hell. You see? Hate the stripping. Hate the prostituting. Hate the drug dealing, the drug usage. But those are souls. You see? For those two strippers, you know, the, 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 the room with the two strippers and for the baby, the adolescent, the, the mature, they're probably going to fall. The guys. But for the deadly Titus, for the deadly Paul, when the formula is right, for the deadly old guy, mature in Christ, like not mature in Christ, but the next echelon is like, okay, this guy's mature, but he's like, he's deadly now. Like Fallujah, the Fallujah walkers, it's like, okay, now Fallujah's in trouble. You know, the first scenario, okay, the guy's in trouble, but you know, now it's different. Now Fallujah's in trouble, you see? Because now he's deadly. Now, guy walks in the room and three Christians walk out. Those two strippers are babies in Christ. They're going to have to learn a whole new framework of operation, which cannot be learned in Corinth. Now, pre-separation, pre-division, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, 4. That growth and maturity cannot happen under the leadership of the defunct. It can happen in Chloe's house. It can absolutely happen in Chloe's house. But it cannot happen at the megachurch in Corinth. You know, post chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, chapter 6 onward, <clears throat> it can happen in Chloe's house, it can happen among the remnant. But it cannot happen in megachurch. You see? And you look at a church like this, this beautiful framework of righteousness. Look at how these two strippers, former strippers, baby Christians, look at who they have to look up to. You see, the older women who are, in verse 3, reverent in behavior. Not slanders, not given too much wine. Teachers of good thing. That remember, kalodidaskolos, which is teacher, instructor, and doctor. Look at how these two strippers, former strippers, when they look at the mature Christian, the old woman, the deadly old woman. She's a killer. She's a warrior. The good killer. The kind who kills wolves. You see? The one who's yeah, the oikoros. The oikoros, the guardian. The watcher. The one who senses and guards and watches. The warrior. We have these two former strippers where the old ladies could, you know, hey, let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. We're going to take these clothes and we're going to burn them. 
You know, we got a, a metal trash can. You know, the pastor has a metal trash can exactly for moments like this. And we're going to have, you know, a bonfire, you know, we're going to burn it all. So get your wardrobe and boom, we're going to burn it all. You see? And then we're going to go shopping. Look at this fellowship of baby Christians, former strippers, who are now learning the ways of righteousness from the older women. You see, it's not strippers who come to Christ and then they go to church dressing like they're still strippers, like they're going to the nightclub. No. The two strip former strippers, they're babies in Christ, and they're learning from the righteous women, the older women. The old women say, okay, we're going to, you know, let's, we're going to clean house. You know, we're going to get rid of this wardrobe, this, that. Okay. Okay. You can't wear this anymore. You can't wear that anymore. We're going to burn it all. And then let's go shopping. You know, have a nice meal, have a nice fellowship. We'll start early. You know, we'll have a breakfast and we'll go shopping new wardrobe. You see? Look at that fellowship, woman to woman. Look at that beautiful fellowship. And in the course of time, former strippers, now they're the older women. You see, a model for emulation. Look at how beautiful this is. Where the young girls, you know, you know, nowadays you get the millennials and the Z generation. They don't want to work. It's like, wow, I don't want to flip burgers. I don't. I want to be rich, but I don't want to work. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go online and sell my body. You see, I'm going to become a stripper. I'm going to go, you know, do the stuff online, sell my body, make lots of money, and all this. That's that's dirty money. That's filthy lucre. Where now these old women who are former strippers can say, hey, look, don't do that. That was my life before I came to Christ. And, you know, if I continued on that path, I would burn in hell. You see? And now these young girls, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, now they can learn from these former strippers like, wow, you know what? I don't know what to do with my life, but I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk with the Lord. And I know my friends, they're doing these dirty business. They're doing this dirty stuff. But as for me and my heart, I'm not going to do that. You see? And then you have the ministry of the former strippers. They can go to the girls and say, hey, don't do this. They can teach by experience. That used to be my life. You see how beautiful this is? Look at how powerful this is. You say, well, I don't like how you say strippers. I get it. You see, I love using these examples, but I hate using these examples. I hate it because it's crass. I understand it. I get it. But when you look at the world, it's where the fish are. It's where the fish are. This world is dirty, it is fading, it is ugly, it is nasty. But it is where the fish are. You see? Who are the warriors? Where are the warriors? Men, women, I don't care. Where are the warriors? With fishing poles. You see? 
Oh, I don't like how you use strippers. Well, don't forget Rahab. Don't forget Rahab, who was a prostitute. You see? She was a prostitute, a straight-up prostitute. And yet there was safety in her home. Why was that? She made her choice to align with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and deny the God of Jericho and align herself to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise be to the Lord. And you know what else? In the lineage, in the lineage of Rahab is found the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's church, my beautiful friend. That's church. A body of those who are called Ecclesia, Episunagage, Koinonia. Former, you're going to have former everything. Former strippers, former drug dealers, former gang bangers, former, you know, like, you know, the Italian gangs, the Mexican mafia. You're going to have it all. You're going to have the former, you know, like, you know, tax cheats, former occult, former this, former that. You're going to have it all. Former cholos. Everything. Former. Former, 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 former violent, former alcoholics, former, former, former. You see? People who have reckoned the old man dead, the old woman dead. That's church. Everybody, just as we see in verse 10. That they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And that's the beauty of the saint. That's the beauty of the church. Together. A body of those who are called adorned with the doctrine of God. Which is the word of God. That's covering. Remember, always male. Everyone. That's the goal of the worker, the faithful worker. That's the goal of the shepherd, the endeavor of the shepherd. To achieve that. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Look at Philippi. Yes, it's possible. Is it possible in Corinth? Yes, among the remnant. You see? That's the formula. You can't fake it. Because the Lord knows those who are His. And we see here in verse 11, in closing, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. You see, it's appeared to all men. See, for all men, balls in everyone's court. Choose. Choose. Light came into the world, choose. People choose the light, people choose darkness. Why do they choose darkness? Because they love darkness more than the light. Okay, it's still a choice. See, Calvinism, Reformed theology, Presbyterianism says 
they're predestined for hell. Which is a lie. From hell. Light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. That's what the Bible teaches. Which is a choice. Okay, you know, I'm a crackhead. And I hear the Christians speak, and they talk about God, and they give me the gospel. But okay, that's nice. But I like my crack better. You see? Choosing darkness more than the light. Loving darkness more than the light. That's nice, you know. God is love and God sent his savior. Okay, I love him. But I love my crack a whole lot better. I love the sex a whole lot better. The strippers, the Buddha, the gambling. I like that a whole lot better. See, they make their choice. Balls in their court. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Then we look at verse 12. Teaching us. Teaching us. Now, these are the ones who choose wisely. The lovers of the light instead of lovers of darkness. Person loves the light. You see? Don't understand that loving darkness can deteriorate. Remember that. Loving darkness can deteriorate. And I tell you from experience. Because my God used to be alcohol. I mean, I would refer to alcohol and strong drink as God. Call it God. Before I came to Christ. And loving darkness. I, You know, light came into the world. And in those moments, I loved darkness more than the light. Now, it's not to say like, okay, you know, God is done with me because I loved darkness more than the light. But in the course of time, you know, waking up in places I have, you know, I had no idea where I was. Waking up like leaving point A and getting to point B, having no idea how in the world I got there. Getting behind the wheel and driving like that. Feeling like dirt. All of a sudden, you know, loving darkness, it started to lose its luster. People get burned out from the alcohol they get burned out from the sex they get burned out from the drugs when they've tasted you see i mean have you ever talked to a female who's like i mean i don't want to sound crass or anything like that but a female who's had boyfriend after 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 boyfriend, after boyfriend she feels like dirt She feels like dirt because she's been treated like dirt. And she might have loved darkness with, you know, boyfriend number one, boyfriend number two. She might have loved the darkness with boyfriend number one. But boyfriend number 15. Now she hates the darkness. You see? And when people have tasted of the darkness and they taste that bitterness and disgust. Now, all of a sudden, the appeal of darkness loses its luster. 
And then they realize, maybe this guy was right. Maybe this lady was right. Maybe this lady who told me about Jesus Christ, maybe she was right. You see? Understand there is, I'm doing my air quotes, there is a fun side to sin. And I don't say that, you know, you know, hey, let's have fun. I mean, there is a fun side to sin. I mean, Satan's not going to lure with a kick in the face. He's not going to say, Satan's not going to come to you and say, hey, walk with me and I'm going to kick you in the face over and over and over because he's not going to get any followers. You see? But he'll use candy. He'll use candy, whatever shape that is, whatever form that takes. He'll use candy. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the whole nine yards. He'll use it. Because he's a fisherman, a very effective fisherman. But it's a lie. Just like that female who strung out on sex and relationships. Boyfriend number one, she was on cloud nine. But it was a lie. Boyfriend number two, she liked cloud nine so much. And she wants cloud nine so much. But now she's on cloud eight. You see? Boyfriend number three, she loved cloud nine so much. But now she's on cloud seven. Cloud six, next boyfriend. Cloud five, next boyfriend. Cloud four, next boyfriend. Cloud three, cloud two, cloud one, next boyfriend, ground level. And she misses cloud nine. Not the boyfriend, just that what she thought was love. And she feels just strung out. And she is strung out. Now the next boyfriend, it's no longer clouds. Now it's underground. Now she feels like dirt because she's in the dirt. Next boyfriend, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the whole time it was a trick. And it's in those moments where Satan will whisper, Now, kill yourself. Now, this meth will make you feel good and then you can kill yourself. Now this coke will make you feel good and then you can kill yourself. You see? That's how Satan works. He was a murderer from the beginning. Then you take this female who light came into the world but at that time she loved darkness more than the light. Now, after boyfriend number 20, now she's no longer in the clouds. Now she's in the ground. She feels like dirt because she's in the dirt. She's buried herself by her own choices. Yes, they're her own choices. The Calvinist would say she's predestined to hell. The Reformed theology would say, you see, based on her work, she is predestined to hell. She cannot believe. Which is also a lie. Now the light looks actually beautiful and desirable. And she's dug herself in a pit. And she has nowhere to look but up. 
Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Satan thought he had her. Satan thought he had her. Somebody created in the image of God. God wasn't done with her. He wasn't done with her. Satan made her think that God was done. Satan made her think that the darkness was better. And he started to whisper to her, why don't you just jump off the bridge? Why don't you just take this blade against your wrist? Why don't you just stand on this cliff and jump? And this beautiful, beautiful soul looked up and saw the light and loved the light now. She used to love the darkness and chose the darkness over the light. But now in this pit that, yes, she got herself there. By her own choices, she got herself there. That's, you can't deny that. But what do you expect? Did she know? What do you expect? I mean, who takes a baby, a a three-year-old baby, and says, Hey, do calculus. Hey, two-year-old, make me me a five-course meal. Who does that? Sometimes we look at the strippers and the prostitutes and the crackheads and the meth heads and the dope dealers and the gangbangers, the mafia and all these things. Yes, these are dangerous environments. But where is the dangerous warrior with his or her fishing pole? Oh, I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with the world. I want nothing to do... Yes, that's good. Have nothing to do with the world. Godliness is at enmity with the things of the world. And godliness is at enmity with the things of Satan. Yes. But it's where the fish are. You see? It's where the fish are. And sometimes through false doctrine... There are suicides, churches whose parents, the the parents of people who've committed suicide, parents of kids, they sue the churches because a young boy is confused, sexually confused, goes and seeks counsel from the so-called pastor. And in Counseling school, the, the pastor, the so-called pastor learns you can't tell somebody that they're a born-again Christian because you don't know if they're predestined for heaven or you don't know if they're predestined for hell. So a 17-year-old boy has these hormones, different you know, hormones wrapped in all kinds of belief systems. Home is crazy. Uh, go to school, crazy. Friends are crazy. I'm going to go to the pastor because I want answers. And then the, you know, pastor, am I going to heaven? Am I, am I predestined for heaven? And then the pastor says, because of his schooling at seminary with his doctorate in theology. Well, I can't say that, young tyke. 
I cannot say that because the Bible says that people are predestined for heaven or predestined for hell. Well, am I going to heaven, Pastor? Well, I can't say that. What is the kid to think? 17-year-old having these questions. What am I to do? I'm confused. And the one place I go for answers and the guy can't tell me that I'm going to heaven. Therefore, as he says, I must be predestined for hell. If that's the only option, I must be predestined for hell. And if I'm predestined for hell, let's get it over with. Why prolong the misery if I'm predestined for hell? So, I'm going to put a bullet to my brain. See? It happens. I mean, I tell these stories and you're like, oh my goodness, that's, you know, like, this is happening. It has happened already multiple times. Not just with kids. And my heart breaks for children today. My heart breaks for children who are exposed to the nastiness and ugliness of the world. And they go to parents for answers, but the parents are crazy themselves. They go to churches for answers, and the churches are crazy. They go to pastors. The pastors are crazy. They go to youth youth ministers. They're crazy. They go to their friends. What's happening? Kids are arguably in the biggest fight. Spiritually speaking, arguably, the biggest fight. Because who has the answers that they need? You see, where can they go for answers? Oh, go to church, go to church. It's safe for you in church. Is it? What is the doctrine? What is the formula? Is the formula right? Oh, I'm going to go to church. She told me that it's safe. She told me that it's safe to go to church. So, okay, I'm going to worship Mary now. I'm going to pray to Mary. I'm going to pray to the angels. And now I have order in my life. You see? Oh, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church, do this, and learn this theology. It's not in the Bible, but I'm going to learn this theology because the guy, the lady told me I got to go to church, so I'm in church now. You see? I'm in a nice reformed church. The guy says, take the mark of the beast, they'll still be saved. So, okay, I'm going to submit to the pastor, as the Bible says. And get the mark of the beast here. Nice little stamp on my hand. Nice little government injection in my body. Pastor says it's okay. Hello, lake of fire. You see? That's what's happening. But you look at the beauty in this holy endeavor of Titus to establish order in Crete, himself as a pattern, the old man as pattern, the old women as patterns 
for the young men and the young women, the boys and girls, to learn from the examples of godliness in the old man, the old women, and the pastor, the overseer. You see a church like that? Stay there. Don't leave. That's powerful. And I'm not talking about powerful like it's powerful. I'm talking about like a lot of oil. You see? But Satan knows that. Satan knows that. You think Satan is going to want a church like this? I mean, when you look at the implications of what's happening here in Titus chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, you look at the framework of how beautiful this is, how glorious this is, how powerful this is, a whole lot of oil. You think Satan doesn't know this? He knows it. He fears it. Yes, fears it. And so what does he do? He sends out his servants to present themselves as ministers of righteousness. Oh, go to church over here. It's nice and safe. No, because Satan doesn't want a church like Titus is fighting for. You see? Go to church over here. No, Satan doesn't want a church that Titus is fighting for. Who told Titus to do this? Paul? Okay, we're going to kill him. Off with his head. And what does Paul say? I'm in chains, but the word of God isn't in chains. You see? You see what's happening? You see this spiritual battle? This spiritual fight? The two stripper example? They believe in Jesus. They're brand new believers in Jesus Christ. They find themselves in a church like Titus is fighting for. Those two strippers, former strippers, are going to, in the course of time, they're going to become very deadly for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, if there's an advancement of the kingdom of God, that means that Satan is losing ground. You see? You think Satan's going to allow that to happen? Or not fight against that from happening? You see? Who's teaching the Christians to behave this way? Who's teaching the Christians to do like this? It's Paul. Paul? Okay, we got to kill him. You see? And who are the vessels that Satan uses? Well, Alexander, Hymenaeus. Very effective. Remember the agents of the saints in Asia? They, they left Paul. Hymenaeus, Alexander, false doctrine, very effective. See you later, Paul. We're done. Demas, bright lights, big city. Get yourself away from Paul. How does he do, how does Satan do that? False teachers, false doctrine, another Jesus presenting other Christs, the lure, Remember, Satan uses candy. He's not going to lure with a kick in the face. He's not going to say, hey, you know, leave Paul because if you walk with me, I'm going to kick in the face every five minutes and hard. No one would, no one would walk with him. But he will give the candy. 
Hey, leave Paul. Walk with me. You're going to make a lot of money. Leave Paul. Walk with me. You can have the strippers. Leave Paul. Walk with me. You can have the prostitutes. Leave Paul. Walk with me. You can have the alcohol. You can have the drugs. You can do the Buddha. You can do the yoga. You can do the, 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 the Ouija boards. You can do the occult. You can do it all, but leave Paul. You see? But what about Titus and Timothy? They're next. Off with Paul's head. They're next. And Paul pouring into Titus and Timothy, the next generation of pastors. Knowing that they're going to encounter these things. They're going to encounter the situations. They're going to encounter the opposition. You see? And just as we see in verse 1, but as for you. They're sold out. They're sold out for Jesus Christ. You want my hand? Here, take it. Take it. I don't want it. I got a face only a mother can love anyways. Take it. I don't want it. But before you take it, understand God loves you. You see? I'm in chains, but the word of God is not in chains. Beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. We understand and make these distinctions because this deception that we see today, it's nothing. It's, it's, it's a walk in the park. It's like galloping through the lily fields. It's going to get worse and worse and worse in the powers of Satan and lying wonders. I mean, when the false prophet brings fire from heaven, you, you know how many people are going to bow the knee to him? Practically the world. You know who won't? The remnant. Because the remnant will know. You see? And so we see that, yes, in verse 11, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But then people make their choice in verse 12, teaching us. Now, yes, people love darkness more than the light, but don't forget that darkness can lose its appeal. Remember the, the girl who strung out on drugs and or on sex and relationships? She was on cloud nine. Now she's in a pit. Where with boyfriend number one, the appeal of the darkness, the love of the darkness was better than the light. In her perspective at that time, but now that she's in the pit, she's strung out on boyfriend number 20 and she feels used and abused and strung out. And you know what? She is used and abused and strung out. But now the light has more appeal than the darkness. But what if she was raised in the church? What if she was raised in a reformed church, in a Calvinist church? She's in the dirt. And all of a sudden remembers, well, you know, maybe I'm predestined for hell. Because look at my walk. Look at boyfriend number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Look at my fruit. The evidence is that I'm predestined for hell. You see, and Satan's going to whisper in her, her ear, why don't you just, you know, 
drive off this cliff, jump off the bridge. Why not end the misery according to false doctrine? But it's false doctrine. It is a lie. From the Pseudodelphos, the servants of Satan. You see? Go ahead, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. No big deal. You'll still be saved. Go ahead, take the mark of the beast. The soothsaying. You see? Or in sound doctrine, doctrine that is right and uncorrupt and incorrupt. Incorruptibility. Remember the rhino lining? Hey, what's the matter? Why are you crying? What's the matter? I don't know you. Nice to meet you. But why are you crying? What's happening? And she opens up. More and more and more she opens up. And a messenger of the Lord. Of the Lord. Listen, you were taught wrong. You were taught wrong. God loves you. And yes, light came into the world. And you didn't see it, you know, five, ten years ago. You didn't see it. Five, you say five years ago. You didn't see it. But today, you can see it. Come on, walk with me. Walk with me. Let me take you to the door. Capital D. You can't pick her up and throw her at the door. No, let me take you to the door. Let me tell you about this light. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. Yes, there are many Christs, but you know, more on that later. Let me tell you about Jesus. And this girl who's strung out feels like dirt. Come on, let's get you cleaned up. And she repents and comes to Christ and enters the door. Hey, let me introduce you to these old ladies. They're so beautiful. They're wrinkly and silver and, you know, they're like, you know, got the silver hair. They got the white hair. But, oh, my goodness, they are the most beautiful creatures ever to behold. Let me introduce you to these lovely, lovely women who are better than rubies. They're like diamonds. Let me introduce you to them. You see? And this young female, a baby in Christ. Look at how she can grow and mature. And the cloud nine that she always wanted is now cloud a million bazillion times infinity. Why? Because her husband is Jesus Christ. That's, that's breathtaking. That's a beauty that I have no words for. That's a beauty that's out of this world and literally out of this world. That's a beauty that... That's what the Word of God teaches. You think Satan wants that? No, he fights dirty. Have you ever been in a dirty fight before? He fights dirty. 
dirty. I meant like in a in a controlled fight, and it's like you know nothing below the belt. You know, in a boxing match, don't below the belt. No, you know, no biting, no head butting, no they're poking in the eye, no none of this. You know, it's very regulated. Okay, well, you fight by the rules. Satan fights dirty, very dirty. He doesn't just want to win a fight. He was a murderer from the beginning. The cloud nine that this lady, that this young lady, the cloud nine, even that was a lie. Because the ultimate goal for him, he plays the long game. The ultimate goal for him was for her to jump off a bridge. And he had to get her to that point. So boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend, sex after sex after sex after sex, strung out and strung out and strung out, used and abused. And he almost had her. And then this strange, weirdo Christian spoke to her. You see? Now I gotta kill the Christians. Now I gotta get rid of the Christians. You see? That's how Satan works. Now, instead of, you know, what Titus is fighting for, Titus chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, now, instead of that formula, I got to muddy it, he says. So I'm going to send out my servants. They'll teach the predestination to heaven and predestination to hell. They'll, they'll teach, you know, grave soaking. They'll teach replacement theology that God has done with Israel. They'll teach the money, the health and wealth gospel. They'll teach all kinds of craziness. The Sudadelphos, they present themselves as ministers of righteousness, but they're servants of Satan. Remember Paul when he says, I fear, because to the Corinthian saints, he says, you might well put up with them. You might well put up with them, he says. They come with a, a different gospel, a different Christ, and a different spirit. And you Corinthian saints, you might put up with them. Remember when he says, I am jealous for you? That's godly jealousy. Because he knows, he knows what he feeds. He knows all about recipe and formula. And that's what he teaches. You see? And then Satan says, okay. This guy, Paul, he's not stopping. He's still going. So you know what? Off with his head. Because this lady, I might have lost her. You know, she, I almost had her to jump off the bridge. I almost had her. But she was taught. Now I lost her. But I'll get the next one. I'm going to kill Paul, and I'm going to go after the next one. You see, when Paul's not around. And Paul, in obedience to the Lord, okay, Timothy, Titus, you're up. I've poured into you. I've taught you well. Now it's your turn. Because Satan's going to go for that girl again. A different girl. 
Satan's going to go for that female again. Satan's going to go for that guy again. Satan's going to go for these kids again. Satan's going to go for these old people again. Titus, Timothy, you're up. It's your turn. Your turn to fight. The next generation of leadership. You see? And so we see that teaching us, the people who've responded to the light, yielding to the light, believers. Now, understand that, yes, grace appears to all men as verse 11 teaches. And not just verse 11, I mean, you know, various passages. Some reject God's grace. Most people do. But rejection today doesn't mean rejection tomorrow. You see? It's... Understand this framework because the fish are in ugly parts of society. It's where the fish are. And once a person enters the door, now we get into verse 12, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. You see, this happens when we, you and me together, when we reckon the old man dead, the old woman dead. You see, former stripper, done, no more. Those days are over. That's the old lady, the old nature. You see? Former gangbanger, you know? Cholo? Nope, done. Those days are over. That's the old man who's now dead. Former tax cheat? Little white lie? Buddha? Gambling? Sex? Pornography? You know? Uh, Ouija boards? Buddha, I think I said Buddha already, but Buddha, Mary. No, that's the old man. That's the old woman. Those days are over. Once you enter the door, there's a specific formula teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, now ungodliness and worldly lust become rejected, but even still, it is a choice. You see? It is a choice. You reckon the old man dead. You reckon the old woman dead. Your friends call you. Hey, let's go to the strip club. If friends call you, hey, it's ladies not at the bar. Let's go have fun. Now, you have a choice to make. No. I'm not going to go, you know, get drunk on ladies night. No, I'm not going to go do the hit of crack. I'm not cooking spoons. Those days are over. Why? Because we're of the way. Sanctified by God. Abiding in the way, the truth, and the life. And the word became flesh. You see? And in denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, which is, you know, in, in, in the here and now. Saints living in holiness unto the Lord. You know what that is? That's right now. I mean, for the believers then, 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, it was in the present age, the right then and there. But for us today, it's the same. Right here and now. 
That's how we live in this present age, denying ungodly lusts, ungodliness and worldly lusts, and living soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. You see? Now, understand that the present age, understand that there is a new one coming. In verse 13, looking for or awaiting, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. Many people, they do this wrongly, but many people attribute this verse to a pre-tribulation rapture. Oh, the blessed hope, the blessed hope, it's a pre-tribulation rapture. They do that in error. Now, if you're listening for the first time and you haven't been walking with us for a while, I do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. The reason why is because it's not biblical. It is not in the Bible. If you're pre-tribulation, I love you. But listen to our studies about the rapture. Listen to our studies about the rapture. So, several studies. Go to thewayunderground.com and you'll have all those studies. All those resources, it's there for you. I do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. You know why? It's not in the Bible. When we read this in verse 13, this glorious appearing is the manifestation and the appearing and brightness. That's the blessed hope. The return of Jesus Christ is glorious appearing. But there's no mention of rapture timing. There's no mention of this being before the 70th week of Daniel. There is, remember, in verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. It's how it translates in the Greek is awaiting the blessed hope. Kai. Remember the word Kai? Kai, glorious appearing. Kai has inclusivity. You see? It's not two separate events. Remember, the living will by no means precede the dead. There's inclusivity to the glorious appearing and blessed hope. Pre-tribulation is unbiblical. You know what's sad? I'm in uh, various communications with other believers. And there was a fellow recently who made it aware of a situation that he encountered. And there's a Christian who is suicidal, wants to commit suicide. What's happening? Like, why is this happening? In describing this situation, the guy thought he would be out of here. The things happening in the world today. A Christian leaning on the pre-tribulation rapture. I believe pre-tribulation and I'm never supposed to be here. Losing hope. 
Christians losing hope. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to Christians very recently and they're losing hope. And it's based on their belief in the pre-tribulation rapture. I mean, how could this be? For Christians to lose hope in a pre-tribulation rapture when according to the doctrine of pre-tribulation rapture, that is the blessed hope. How is that? Instead of losing hope, lose the false doctrine. Pre-tribulation is unbiblical. In verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. You know, I love how this translates. His own peculiar people, zealous for good works. You see? This is the saint who rejects ungodliness and accepts Jesus. And Jesus redeems and purifies. It's not a one-time deal. Remember the shower we gave? You know, we're not the soap, we're not the water, we're not the shampoo, but we got to get in. You see? And growth and maturity happens. And our conduct in the present age while we await Jesus Christ is just like what we read in verse 12 to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, living soberly, righteously, and godly in the here and now. And I love how it is written in verse 14, a peculiar people. You know why? It's strange. It's rather strange. You know why? Because you look at a body, or you look at a remnant, you know, where the formula is right all around. Formula is right in pastors. Formula right is right in elders. Formula is right in the body. You got babies, you got mature, but the formula is right. The framework of formula is right. You got married people, unmarried people, and the formula is right. Now, you look at that remnant. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see the cholos, the mobsters, the business people, you know, former strippers, former prostitutes, former drug dealers. You're going to see the nerds, the geeks, you know, the guy, the computer people. You're going to see all kinds of, you know, the professionals. You're going to see blue collar, white collar. You're going to see business owners. You're going to see managers, employees. You're going to see everything rich, poor, different colors. Black, white, and everything in between. You're going to see it all. And you look at it with carnal eyes. And you know what? That's weird. That's weird. It is peculiar. Why is this girl hanging out with this girl? Why is this guy hanging out with this guy? It just looks weird. Carnally speaking. What's the bond? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. 
not a social club where, you know, the popular people over here and the nerds are over here and the old people over here and, you know, the rich people are over here, the poor people are over here. No, not a social club. You have it all. Everybody together, a peculiar people. It is weird. I mean, with carnal eyes, it's just weird. Black, white, and everybody in between. Old, young, nerds, popular, you know, you have like, you know, the computer people and like, you know, the blue collar people and like, it's just weird, you know, former strippers, former prostitutes, former crackheads, everybody, it's just weird. But praise be to the Lord. It's a peculiar people on our way to paradise. You see? Remember, this is a one-on-one letter. Paul, a prison letter. Writing a letter to Titus. You know, yes, Titus, I'm going to die. But you have to understand. Work towards this Crete, it's a mess. Crete is a mess. Point blank. Yes, Crete is a mess. And you have to put these things in order. To Titus, in verse 15, speak these things. Remember, this isn't no carnal forcing. You know, Titus isn't going to go with a bazooka and, you know, a, a pistol and a rifle and say, hey, you will submit to me and you will do this. No, he's going to speak. Once he speaks, ball's in their court. The people have a choice to make. You see? And you know who the choosers of Titus are? The remnant. The remnant. Wow, Titus, we searched the scriptures. We love the Lord. We fear the Lord. We looked everything you say and this and that. And Titus, you're right. And we align ourselves to you. Now, it's not like we align ourselves to Titus and that's how it is. No, with Titus, full package. Full package. It is safe. If we're Say we're residents of Crete. You know, and we know there's just something we, we go to church and we feel the heebie-jeebies. We go to church and there's something's off. And then Titus comes to town. He speaks and like, whoa, that's, that's, that's pretty hardcore, Titus, because you know what? You don't hold punches. That's pretty hardcore what you said. But, you know, we searched the scriptures and you know what? We did some repenting and praise be to the Lord. You're right. People call you crazy, people call you mean, but, you know, that's the the leaven. And leaven speaks and leaven's got a mouth. We're with you, Titus. Remember Onesiphorus? Who wasn't ashamed of Paul? When everybody was ashamed of Paul. Oh, Paul's so mean. The saints in Asia, bye-bye, Paul, see you later. Demas has left them, okay, see you later, bright lights, big city. See you later, Paul. We're done. Nice knowing you. But Onesiphorus, he wasn't ashamed of Paul. You see? Oh, but Paul's mean. Paul's mean. Why is he mean? He doesn't like it when I have sex with my dad's wife. That's why he's mean? That's why you say he's mean? Because that's that's behavior of leaven. And not just leaven, but you know, I can't condemn anybody to hell, but that's not good behavior. You see? And Onesiphorus? No. Say what you want about Paul, but I'm with Paul. 
Say what you want about Titus, but you know what? We're with Titus. Why? Formula Paul, good, qualified. Formula Timothy, good, qualified. Formula Titus, good, qualified. Full package. You see? Himenaeus, Alexander, do not submit. And that's what's so powerful when we understand the formula. Because the Lord reveals to us who is who holds the qualifications, biblical qualifications, for you and me to submit to and learn the ways of righteousness as we journey together on our way to paradise. Who meets those qualifications? Paul says, speak these things, exhort and rebuke. Remember, rebuke is to convict, admonish, and tell a fault and rebuke. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Remember, he's full package. No hypocrisy. He doesn't have planks in his eyes. The planks have been removed. He meets the biblical qualifications. And in verse 15, he says, speak. In verse 1, he says, speak. You see? Remember of others in, in, in chapter one of others, their mouths must be stopped. But of Titus, no, your mouth, your mouth can't be stopped. They need to stop speaking. You speak. But can Timothy go there and, you know, like, you know, put duct tape over their face? No. Titus goes and speaks and the balls in the people's court. They choose. We're with you, Titus. Mega church in Crete. Tiny church with Titus, the remnant. Rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Now, this can't be mandated. You know, uh, Titus isn't a millennial or a Z generation. Oh, don't belittle me. You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I remember having this conversation recently with Z generation. Older Z generation, so like, you know, what, you know, over age 18. I'm an adult. You need to treat me like an adult. Let me tell you something. Adults don't say that. <laughs> you need to treat me like an adult. Adults don't make demands like that. Adults get treated like adults when they behave like adults. You can't mandate. We're not, we're not talking about millennials and, you know, snowflakes and Generation Z. We're not talking that. Let no one despise you. Titus isn't going to go to town, you know, with like, you know, triggered everywhere. Hey, don't, don't belittle me. Don't belittle me. Don't disparage me. Don't, 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 don't speak against me. Don't, you can't mandate this. Titus doesn't make these demands to Coerce not being despised. When he says, let no one despise you. He's saying, don't let it bother you, Titus. Let no one despise you. Because certainly, he will be despised. Levin will despise him. The Sudadelphos will despise him. The servants of Satan will despise him. They will. Don't let it bother you, Titus. Look at how Paul is despised. You see? Demas left him. Bright Light's big city. Saints in Asia left him. We're done with you, Paul. 
We despise you, Paul. Now, there's pain associated with that. But as for you and me, we got to keep going. Don't let it bother you. People make their choice. Remember when Samuel was brokenhearted? We want a king. We want a king. And finally the Lord was like, listen, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. Remember that. Because as the remnant, the population of the remnant will get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Don't be discouraged. You will be despised. But who's doing the despising? Remember that when you understand formula. Because leaven has a mouth. But who's speaking? It's leaven. See? Oh, Paul, you're so mean. You're so mean. You hurt my feelings. Well, why, why is that? Well, because Paul told me I can't fellowship in Corinth anymore. Well, why did he say that? Because I was having sex with my dad's wife. Paul is so mean. Paul is so mean. Well, wait a second. That's disobedience unto the Lord. Praise be to the Lord that there's separation from the leaven. It's so that the remnant can remain the remnant and be clean. And only the clean can clean. The Lord is the one who leaked these letters so that we can understand this framework of holiness. There's more to these studies in the pastoral epistles, of which we will study in continuing next week. To the beautiful Beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.